Let's get it going. It's time to get up. We have more urgency to make sure we uh, we play our team and we, we take those games really seriously and we have no time. These guys are here to break it all down. Jake has, uh, has had something to prove since he was drafted. Um, it, it comes with the territory. Being a very high overall draft pick, BC boy, uh, you can kind of throw it all at him. Again, all the tools, but but haven't quite put it together. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. God, I, I'm going to kill this guy when I get off the phone. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski. Morning, everybody. Thursday morning here in rainy Vancouver. Okay, we live in a rainforest. Perry Solkowski, bit bizarre with us all week long here in the starting lineup. Hope you're... Wednesday night was a good one. Lots of things to look forward to on this Thursday as we continue the countdown. Bic, good morning. How are you? Uh, good morning, Perry. I'm all good. Uh, day four of this early rising. Uh, I'm getting used to it. I'm ready. feel like I've been in the lineup. I am uh, feel good. I think day four to me would be like if you were running a marathon. Of this week of working mornings is a marathon for you. You're now... You're now at like mile 17 and 18. There's really nothing good to look forward to. You're ready. Like you're ready to start, right? Your Monday, you were jacked. Monday, you're jacked. Everyone's got a lot of energy at the start of any race. And then, you know, to, to, now you're feeling into a groove on Tuesday. Wednesday, your you're hump day. You've seen the, here we are. Half marathon's done. Good job. Look at your watch. You check your time. You're feeling good, Vic. Thursday, not much. Like Thursday, you go, hey, I'm not near the end yet. You're in that 17, 18. This is where people quit, Bick. I need you for three hours, my friend. Look, I'm not I, I, I'm not a long-distance runner. I'm not even a short-distance runner, to be honest. So I thought when you said mile 17, I was like, okay, start thinking about the family. You know, finish line is there. No, no, you had to go the other direction. You're thinking, all right, this is this is the tough part. This is when you have to grind it out. Now. All right. Good to know. I know you've got your, your, your love for the NFL, as am I. I have found the last couple of evenings – difficult i'm not a movie guy like i'm a movie guy but not weekdays like not, not weeknights so you, you got it there's enough sports on to watch or there's something going on to watch mm-hmm. i have found uh, my wife and i the last couple of nights going oh, okay you know what's eight o'clock there's nothing going on i've read everything kind of ready to go like we've watched movies twice i don't i just go what's wrong with us neither movies have been good but yeah i, I don't know i'm looking forward to tonight a football game where there's an awful lot of injuries too which will uh yeah. We'll get into with uh, where are you leaning? Are you leaning for the Chargers? Uh, I would probably lean towards the Chargers just because the Raiders' defense is so bad, and you know they are the underdog tonight. But uh, long way to go still to kick off. We'll see what Todd Furman has to say and uh, figure it out by uh, five twenty. Yeah, there you go. Here, uh, Todd Furman, Bet the Board podcast. If you don't know, joins us every Thursday. I gotta find out from Furman if there's just some more crazier backdoors than we've ever, ever thought of this year. Maybe it's just me. Like, really, how did that happen? So we'll get into that with Furman as we always do. It is Thursday, so you know the situation. Brian Burke will will stop by. We'll have a conversation with Burke about what has taken place and what comes next as we sit and wait for things to happen. Um, Eight o'clock. I'm looking forward to our guest, Alex Newhook, joins us. Well, I think we had Alex on a couple years ago when he just made his move and was lighting it up in the BC Hockey League in Victoria. Uh, just a very personable young man that has continued to carry the BCHL flag and gone on to Boston College. Got cut last year at Team Canada and then just lit it up and has been doing exactly that. He will have a big part to do with what Team Canada has as far as success at the World Juniors. And then we'll see him an awful lot 
because uh, he'll have a nice NHL career. It'll start with Colorado, whether it ends there. Vic, this guy's, uh, you know, he's another coast-to-coast Canadian from uh, from out east, came out west, where his uh, relatives lived here to play for Victoria. He's a good young hockey player with, with personality, too, which is nice, right? Fun guy. For sure. It's that, that Newfoundland uh, personality that uh, he has... I, I like how you said carry the flag for the BCHL. He, you know, playing out there in Victoria, uh, certainly learned a ton. And with that personality, I think he's going to inject some energy uh, into the NHL uh, if and when he gets there. And it's we've talked a lot about this this newer athlete, how they are interacting with fans, right? whether it's Instagram or Twitch or whatever, whatever it is. Uh, he's a guy that's going to embrace kind of the the new way the NHL is going, and you know, honestly, might be a leader in that as well. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the one thing he's he's learned about. Speaking of which, leadership—that was kind of the um, topic of of conversation in a uh, post media article that came out yesterday on Sven Berchi. Bick, when you talk of forgotten players, um, I think from a fan basis, that's Sven Berchi, right? I think, yeah, you know, I remember Berchi got his deal. He thought, wow, that's pretty good money for a guy who hasn't necessarily done it. But, you know, in the world of comparables in the NHL and some of the stats he put up, you go, well, I guess. I mean, good on him. I wouldn't have paid it, but you can justify it if it's consistency and they've never had that. Then when he doesn't go into the bubble, you kind of just go, well, you, you pissed him off and you kind of severed the relationship when he sent him to the minors and he didn't make the team, which is life. That is sports. Uh, and then, it, you know, a lot of people took it as, well, you know what? He knows he's not a big part of your future. So he's not coming to the bubble, but that was a family decision. And personally, it's okay to make that decision. Mm-hmm. But have we forgotten about him? Like, could he be a factor in this hockey team? There's so many elements to the equation here because you're talking about the trade request and you're talking about you know him spending the whole season in the minors and, and there's all these elements to it. If we're just talking the player himself, I you can easily make a case for Sven Mertri being one of the 12 most talented players in the Canucks organization or the 12 most talented forwards. Forwards, yeah. So 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 you can make a case for him being on the everyday roster. The, the issue that cropped up is. Is he playing in a manner in which is conducive for Travis Green, right? Because this is about more than just talent. It's fit, it's role, it's all these other things that you have to clear. When Michael Furland came in, it's, okay, there's Brock Besser, there's Michael Furland, and it was going to be those two guys as your top two right wingers. And when Sven Berchi gets knocked down the pecking order, suddenly it goes from you're either going to be in the top six or you're not going to be at all because other players on the roster are better suited for to play bottom six roles than Sven he says all the right things. He's known Travis Green since Portland. Mm-hmm. So he knows how he's supposed to play. Other than uh, it's kind of like listening to Jake Vertanen. You know what you're supposed to do. He has all the answers to the questions. And then every third or fourth game, he shows you the answers on the ice. And you go, there you go. I don't know if you see it that much for Sven Berchi, but it's for him to come if if ever you want an opportunity and he's not a guy who plays the right side but says hey if that's where they wanted me uh I'll certainly make that adjustment it would be different i think maybe we are discounting but the key to any nhl success is consistency and really that's the one thing we haven't seen from spen berchi and he's kind of the 
you know, the leftover guy to go, well, the numbers were there, but that's before maybe there was as much structure as this team has. And do we give them a break in the sense that mentally and because of your health and your concussions, you can understand that it took a while. He talks in this article that, hey, he feels good. The greatest thing about last year of all the ups and downs is he played hockey. He didn't worry about head injuries. And you got to think of a guy like David Booth didn't seem like the same hockey player when he came to Vancouver than he was in Florida. After he took that big hit, you go, well, it's got to change a guy. You wonder if maybe Sven Berchi is kind of been thrown out of the, the scene here and we'll get that opportunity to do something. He's got the talent to do it. And you hope the year away from the NHL, uh, it, it, it's kind of like knee injuries in, in football or mm-hmm. basketball, right? It's It, it takes a, a bit of time to develop that trust to get in your body to say, okay, what can I do and what can I not do? And if, if he's psychologically over it, right? Not at, not necessarily out of fear, just, hey, I can play that physical up-against-the-boards game. Because I do think there's an element to that in his game. It just we don't see it enough. And certainly, last training camp, I didn't think we saw it at all. There's still some hesitancy in his game. And and for what Crime Screen preaches, right? Guys you can win with and hard to play against, all that sort of stuff. That ethos didn't come through in his game. If if that transitions to this year and you're playing with a bit more physicality, he's absolutely going to be a, a, a name to watch in training camp. And the one thing I would say about Travis Green, too, is he has a certain clean slate element to his approach, right? Because mm-hmm. you could go to Louis Erickson and say the manner in which there were some comments made overseas, it'd be easy for a coach to say, thanks, but no thanks, you're done. Your value has been provided enough. But Louis Erickson came to camp, won a job, and Travis Green was more than willing to give him that opportunity because he earned it. It wasn't uh, a personal vendetta. If Sven Berchi plays the way Travis Green thinks he can and lives up to that potential, then yeah, he's he's could find his way back in it. You, I don't want to call it an open door policy, but if ever there is a "what have you done for me lately" element of Travis Green going, I don't, I don't hold grudges, uh, and he does it. Just go play. If you're good, I could care less what has happened. As long as you're good and you're doing what I ask and you're good in the room, great. But I would ask this to you: if we see Sven Berchi's name in this 56 game season, and we see that Sven Berchi has played 25 of them. Is your first indication that maybe it wasn't a good year for the Canucks? Wouldn't you side yeah. more that if Berchi plays that much hockey, something went wrong rather than this team progressed? Absolutely. That that would be my first reaction. It's okay. How how do we get to the circumstances? Because he is 28. It's not as if there might not be some unfound yeah. uh, skill in his game, right? He is kind of at the stage where he is what he is. It's just can you become more consistent within that? If If he's playing 25 games... Okay, I want to know what happened to Antoine Roussel. I want to know what happened to to Brock Besser. I want to know did Jake Fortan not progress? Uh, did, did guys like Jace Howard like and Tyler Mott were they flops? It, the, the thing with synergy is Sven Berchi is there's going to be a lot of hurdles for him to pass on the lineup as well. Yeah, that that's exactly it. He's there's the fact is that there's still a little bit of room. You would have thought, and I think most people thought the door was completely shut. Like, all right, the door kind of shut on you last October when they said, this is where you need you. Now, credit to him. He went down and became more of a leader, talked a little bit more and made sure in Utica he was okay, which which is what you want to see as professional. I don't think he's doing that to go, hey, please, Vancouver Canucks. He was doing that to go, hey, NHL, 
you need somebody, I can actually help you out. It's Ben Berchie, maybe a guy who's playing hockey in Seattle next year. Uh, who knows? I don't think that's a terrible thing. But it, it isn't a positive when you get someone at that age seeing the last couple of years and all of a sudden he's good enough to crack a lineup. That means your lineup hasn't gotten better. So who's in front of him? Well, you, you know the guy's here. You would throw a Hoagland or you would, you would throw a Pod Coles in him before Sven Berchie is here. But who knows if, if he shows up in a couple of weeks time when these guys get going and lights it up at training camp, it's not like, well, unfortunately there's no room for you on the, on our top six. They're going, well, hang on here. So maybe you get to see him. It's, it's interesting that, that I, I've kind of, you know, done and gone. See ya done dusted, but there's going to be situations where you're going to have injuries. You're going to have that taxi squad. You're going to have extra bodies. And is it the worst thing in the world? If, okay, you've got an injury and someone's out for a couple of games and Sven Berchie's the guy that comes in. I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, 650, 650, Jono on the Dunbar Lumber text lines. And I hear and respect your case, Bick. I just think the pages turned on Sven did not help that he did not play at a high level last year. Uh, look, I, I don't necessarily think he's going to play a major factor in this season. I'm just thinking if you follow the actions, uh, it's the easiest predictor of future actions. Travis Green, he's had that, uh, it's a great term, open door policy. He's he's willing to start anew with players. Uh, the opportunity is there for the Sven Berkey. It just There's a lot of things to clear for on on his on his path back right for guys like jake for tannen it's, it's a lot easier for Sven Mirage, he's got to prove he's willing to play he's got to play better than a, a lot of wingers right now that are on the roster it, it's a tough road back but it's there for him as we watch this canadian division when it unfolds next year we will watch and by next year i'm meeting him you know next month um, we will see games, you know, from the Jets and from the Flames where we will likely hear players' names that were kind of on the periphery. I don't know, where is he from? Oh, he's been hanging out in the AHL. You know, if you hear that and you're like, oh, Sven Berchie, geez, forgot about him. Yeah, no, the Canucks kind of had him. He was in the minors. That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to have someone called up with your injuries and all that and know that they have that kind of experience. He's going to spend Berchi jumping on the ice and playing, playing a game or two. It's it's not going to surprise him, right? I would, you know, what do you want? But do you want Sven Berchi because you know what's there? Or do you go, hey, Cole Lynn gets a shot? Because we don't know. He hasn't had that NHL ice time. Let's see what he is because there still is a future there. I think you know what Sven Berchi's ceiling is. And it hadn't been good enough to make this team. Um, but nonetheless, it's nice to have a body to come in and go, well, he's, he's got NHL experience. He's not going to be overwhelmed by the situation. You're not going all the way down to the, you know, players I like, where you're, you know, in a shortened season, each game actually kind of has a lot more importance. Uh, the Lucas Yasics or whoever it is that you can look at and say, boy, I, I hope this guy doesn't screw it up or something like that. He's a young player, first NHL game and all that sort of stuff. There's a, a level of experience that's been better too. They can step right in and be like, all right, I remember this. Well, I go back to, you know, the first game of the playoffs in the bubble. Where do you go? There's Jake Vitano who didn't get the start, didn't deserve right. it. There's Louis Erickson up there. And you go, well, if these guys get hurt, it's not a bad situation. They've got actually a little depth in the press box rather than the guys in the press box that you go, well, you know, that's not going to help the cause. I hope none of these guys get hurt. They've got nobody who can, who can do any backfill for them. Um, so it's, it's not a bad situation to get in. Anyways, so we'll get into more of that a little bit later on. It is Thursday after a couple of quiet nights. We will get back as the NFL week starts off. Chargers, Raiders, how do we break it all down? What is going on? There's only one guy who can give us all the news. As we say, good morning to Todd Furman of Betting Board Podcast. Todd, how are you? I'm doing well this morning, gentlemen. How are you boys faring? 
Let me ask you this. We're okay. Rain is coming down here, unlike I'm sure in Las Vegas. Is it just me? And maybe it's because where I've sided, or have there been some of the craziest backdoor last 10 second plays to make the books and all the betters in North America just wild and wacky? Um, you know, by what we've seen on the Monday nights and all these different plays. Is this is this a strange one for you, even by some of these finishes? Uh, yeah, honestly, Parrot, I think it's just heightened awareness, uh, given how prominent sports betting has become, not only here stateside, but also throughout the provinces in Canada, that we're paying more attention to those last-second plays that happen to be beyond the scope of comprehension and the impact that they ultimately have on whether it's a spread or total. And we saw two in back-to-back days. We saw the game unfold Monday night in an improbable fashion with Baltimore minus three backers able to cash their tickets. But you really feel bad for anybody that had an under in the Eagles and Saints game on Sunday because Philadelphia seemed poised to just run the clock out with Jalen Hurts nursing a 24-14 lead. He fumbles, the Saints come down the field, and anybody that went under 42.5 suddenly had their hopes and dreams shattered in front of them with that late touchdown to Jared Cook. Well, let's say Jared Cook in fantasy and you weren't on that game. And then you go, wow, that's awesome. It, it, it has been absolutely crazy to see. Um, what, do you, what do you see tonight as, as we get it going and the Raiders and the Chargers? Well, it's two teams that are kind of headed in opposite directions. And the reason I say that is because Vegas had everything to play for over the last couple of weeks. And they're a broken coverage away from riding a three-game losing streak into this particular matchup. Defensively, they've been an absolute mess. And that's part of the reason that John Gruden cut ties with his longtime defensive coordinator and Paul Gunther. But things aren't going to get better for the Raiders. Short week, they're down as many as four starters on that stop unit. A couple of key contributors in the secondary. The issue in this game is trying to figure out if Anthony Lynn can finally break through and actually win a game in the division. He's 0-9 straight up the last nine they've played against the AFC West, 1-7-1 against the spread in the division since the start of last season. And when you look at this Chargers offense, they should be a lot more dynamic with some of the weapons, but they've become more of a check-down Charlie-type approach with Austin Eckler coming back. I do think, though, the Chargers' pass defense can at least neutralize Derek Carr, and there hasn't been a complimentary run game to speak of. I like the Chargers here, plus the points. I think they finally put the nail into that Raiders postseason coffin. Todd, at this time of the year, we're getting some Saturday games, and they're standalone, but they're you know it's a different schedule schedule quirk for NFL uh, betters. Is does the handle change for Vegas come you know this time of year with these Saturday games? It definitely helps the dynamic. This Saturday, a little bit unorthodox because clearly when the NFL put these games on the schedule, they didn't think they were going to be competing with conference championships in college football since the college season typically would have been over two weeks ago. So you're going to have a variety of things at play here. But anytime you have Aaron Rodgers uh, taking center stage in the nightcap at 5.15 Pacific time at Lambeau, and you have Josh Allen, the rising star he's become, those games are definitely going to generate buzz, and there's no doubt that books will find themselves rooting for one of those underdogs to win outright. What has been interesting is both of these games have taken a little bit of over money. Green Bay from 51 out to 52, Buffalo and Denver from 48 out to 50, and I think the biggest question you have to ask is how will Buffalo handle this level of prosperity? Two big-time, prime-time games in recent weeks. They play the Patriots a week from Monday night, Monday night football. Will this be a little bit of a letdown against a Denver team, more or less just playing out the string? Since we're talking Saturday, what are you thinking, Clemson, Notre Dame? I think this number speaks volumes uh, about these two teams. Uh, a lot of people surprised to see Clemson more than a 10-point favorite here, knowing that the Tigers went into South Bend and lost that game outright earlier this year. 
Different dynamic, of course, the obvious one being Trevor Lawrence. But I think what's being ignored is three key contributors for this Clemson defense that'll be back in the fold. And I really wonder about Notre Dame's skill position talent, being able to find space against that secondary. I think Brent Venable schemes up a game plan, and ultimately Clemson wins and cements their playoff spot uh, with a resounding victory against the Irish. Uh, Who's a team this year in the NFL that, uh, you know, in the standings, they don't look so great, but APS uh, against the number that they're looking much better than I think the perception people might realize. Well, I wouldn't say from a standing standpoint that they've been disappointing, but the Miami Dolphins have been the point spread darlings in the National Football League. Ten and three against the number. Uh, they come crashing through the back door last weekend against Kansas City, electing to kick the field goal. The smart football play uh, and obviously breaking the hopes and dreams of anyone that had Kansas City at a price of minus seven or higher. When you look at this Miami team, there's no doubt that they've arrived a year ahead of schedule. They're doing it a lot with defense uh, and an offense that's been erratic at best. What is interesting is this week, though, you're seeing professional bettors back New England at prices of plus three, even betting them yesterday at plus two and a half, knowing that Bill Belichick against his former colleague and coach and Brian Flores, extra time to prepare and how well Bill Belichick has performed against rookie quarterbacks in his illustrious NFL career. It's Todd Furman, Bet the Board Podcast. Um, Seattle had Eastern Washington last week. They actually get Washington this week. Um, what do you see in that Seahawks game against the Washington football team? I think the big question uh, is waiting to see who Washington ultimately starts uh, at quarterback. So many questions swirling about the health of Alex Smith's calf. Uh, from all my reading and some of the folks I've spoken to, I think the Washington football team uh, is convinced that it's going to be Dwayne Haskins this weekend. This is a Seattle team for as much maligned as their defense was early in the, on in the campaign. They've really figured things out in recent weeks. And when you look at some of their performances through weeks 11 through 14, they're allowing the fewest yards per game in the league at under 260. Now, they haven't played a murderer's row of opposition, but I do think establishing Carlos Hyde, getting Chris Carson back on the offensive side has helped take some of the pressure off Russell Wilson, and you're getting healthier defensively uh, with the return of Shaq Griffin. We should see Quentin Dunbar this weekend, and hopefully Carlos Dunlap, who's been dealing with that foot injury, can provide a little bit of a pass rush against that pop-gun Washington offense. Saw the uh, saw a report saying what the state of New Jersey will break the record for the most money bet, uh, more so than Vegas did last year, like five billion. You surprised at that? You know, not really surprised given uh, what all the competition that's taking place in New Jersey. Uh, full disclosure, they actually have much better wagering options than we do here in Nevada. A lot of the bigger operators, your FanDuel's of the world, DraftKings, etc., uh, all have full platforms available there in Nevada. We've been a little bit behind the curve. And when you look at population centers, I think those numbers are going to continue to fall by the wayside, especially as sports gambling is legalized in New York State, hopefully sooner rather than later. And then ultimately California, Texas, and some of the other population centers that get on board uh, with this new wave of legalized sports betting. How are things with Max Pacioretty and your hockey team? Jeez. Uh, they're not looking so great. Uh, the honeymoon officially appears to be over. And uh, as we've seen with the roster turnover, ever since Peter DeBoer took over, he's got his guys and he's got guys from Gerard Gallant's legacy that I don't think are going to be long for wearing that fancy Golden Knights gold sweater that they're so anxiously waiting to unveil. Assuming we do get hockey at some point in 2021. Oh, don't be a doubter. They'll, they'll be hockey, Furman. It's coming. 
You know, the big question is, uh, I think the NHL's proposed realignment, if there's a Canadian-only division, that may be the only shot that we can get a Canadian franchise to play for the Stanley Cup. So I understand exactly why the league is trying to do this, using the pandemic as an excuse. I can understand completely. You know, it's raining here right now. We don't need the sourpuss attitude that you're bringing from the, the sunny state. Listen, hey, well, you know it's, it's, it's not, not like so you have, not here. like we have so, a Stanley uh, Cup it's banner. It's definitely drier got, though than the rain. But let's be thankful, Perry, that none of us have to shovel out of about twelve to sixteen inches of snow like everybody on the East Coast has to do this morning. It is a it is a good reminder, my friend, that yes, uh, those on the West Coast, whether it's rain or the sun, we are not dealing with what a lot of other North Americans do when you get to the other side of the of the continent. Thanks, Furman. Appreciate it. I will uh, take your advice tonight and oh, and see what the charges are up to. Always a pleasure, Jensen. There's no better feeling, Perry, than putting your hard-earned money on an Anthony Lynn coach team and wondering how things could possibly go awry. <laughs> don't make me think it. Don't make me think it over too much. Uh, <laughs> there point. he is, Todd Furman. Yeah, Anthony Lynn. Man, there's no come on, Vic. No way he has a job when we're done, are we? At the end of the season? I can't imagine. We, we we did this thing on Football Central a couple of weeks ago where we we talked about players that are in bad situations, and we said free Deshaun Watson or free whoever it is. And Jamie and I were both thinking free Justin Herbert because there's no way the next ten years of his career can be linked to Anthony Lynn because uh, it has been so bad. I, I I can't recall seeing a coach mismanage situations worse than he is oh uh, the end of the halves the end of the games it's almost like just let the kid let the kid do what he wants to do it he comes in on the surprise start and looks good for the first couple weeks and then it's almost like the coach gets his hands on him and ruins him you know the thing with Anthony Lynn too is he's been doing it for years he's this isn't a sudden phenomenon that he's just you know forgotten how to make decisions like this it's it's been going on like for since he's been with the Chargers, and uh, you think he'd learn, and he's yet to. You'd think the organization would learn. Anyway, says that's Todd Foreman, Bed the Board Podcast, liking the Chargers today and liking where the Seattle Seahawks are going on this weekend. Uh, still ahead, uh, some interesting news as to what's going on with Travis Green, the contract that hasn't been signed. What could be the issue? Arsette Shaw giving some uh, hint yesterday. We'll play that for you. Brian Burke head 7 o'clock. I want to remind everybody, Countdown to Tip-Off is brought to you by Denny's. Got a holiday turkey dinner for four, starting at just $59.99. Visit denny's.ca. Travis Green, his contract, what's happening with it? We'll dive into it. You're listening to the Home of Hockey, home of the Vancouver Canucks, Sports at 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 631 on this Thursday morning. Rain going to continue. Uh, it seems that uh, rain is going to be around for a while here. But as we approach Christmas, the um, forecast saying that things may clear up. Might see a little bit of sun. Perry Sunkowski, Big Nazar with us all week long on the starting lineup. We were having a good Thursday thus far. Thanks very much for joining us. Remind you of the Dunbar Lumbar text line. Lumber text line. Lumbar. It's bad back. Uh, open always. At 650-650 if you want to join the conversation. Uh, Bick, we just heard a promo for our friends at 4 o'clock. The program sat and walks. Want to play something that that Sat had suggested by poking around. Uh, here we are. We're waiting for negotiations to be done between the NHL and the NHLPA. But if you look at some loose ends that still certainly need to be tied up from a Canucks organization, there was a time probably a month ago everyone's going, Travis Green, Travis Green doesn't have the contract extension going into his last year. Here's Sat's take on what may be the hang-up as far as the Canucks and the coach are concerned. 
All right. So as far as the Canucks are concerned, and people are asking the same questions, right? Can they sign any other players? Will they sign any other players? Will they extend the head coach? So let's start off with Travis Green, right? So obviously nothing has changed too much. And we talked about this last week as well. And I mentioned, you know, I'm not I'm not optimistic that they are going to be able to get a deal done before the puck drops by January 13th. Now, of course, that date in and of itself is very much up in the air because they have not yet come to an agreement, the NHL and NHLPA, on what the season is going to look like and what the start date is going to be. But what I gather here, Walks, is look at Jim Benning's contract. Jim Benning's contract ends in 2022-2023. Right now, Travis Green is on the contract for one more year. So that means if Travis Green signs a three-year extension, that would mean he's under contract one year longer than a GM is under contract. And I'm not sure if there is ownership has said no to a three-year extension. But as far as I know so far, a three-year extension has not been put on the table. So I wonder how much of this is kind of driven by wanting to align the head coach with the GM's contract, which runs out of 2022-2023. So I do wonder if Travis really, really wants more than a two-year extension, three- or four-year extension, of who's going to blink first, if that's the case. Because I don't think it's just the money issue here. Because you can you can structure a contract, and we talked about this before, right, when it comes to coaches, where, okay, you're worried about revenues beyond next season? Well, you can backload his contract. But if it's only a two-year extension, then that becomes a bit iffier, right? So I don't think it's just the money that's involved here. I do think term's a big issue. And I'm not sure that the Canucks so far have been willing to give him a three-year extension that would keep him under contract longer than the GM. Bick, your thoughts? I, I think I understand it in philosophy, right? It's it, it, you, you do want organizational alignment to some degree. And if you're kind of one foot in, one foot out still with Jim Benning, maybe if you want to make a decision on the GM – why complicate it for a new guy and having to make a decision on the head coach as well? What I would say, though, is I would invest in people that I think are doing really well in their job. And through three years on the job, Travis Green has shown that consistently, despite the talent and despite the personas on the team or whatever it is, he can get more out of his players that they knew that they had, right? The one thing you can't say about Travis Green is these teams haven't been competitive. They've always been competitive, right? So that's to me is a credit to the head coach. They've extracted more out of the players. The point totals necessarily haven't been there, but that's a reflection of the talent. But as far as being prepared to play and willing to play over the course of three seasons here, that's a big check mark in Travis Green. So the, the logic of just lining everything up, I don't think it, matters here because I would rather just invest in the talent of the coaching staff and you go across the league I, I, I have Travis Green a lot higher than I think the general consensus and I would just be wanting to retain him for as long as I could um, if I'm advising Travis Green, and I'm not, but I am right now, I wouldn't sign anything that has two years on it. Not a way. No way. No, right. If, they, if I'm Travis Green and they go, hey, all we can give you is two years, yeah, that, that's great. You'd like to have the same as the GM of Brian Burke on the number of times GMs take head coaching jobs in whatever sport. And you go, well, that's not the coach they hired. He might be in tough. Travis Green, if the Canucks don't go three years, maybe even four, 
will say that's okay. Obviously, I'm there to do my job, and he will start doing his job. And if they get off to a good start in, in January and February and they're having a little bit of a run, and they go, hey, here's the deal, he may go, you know what, I'm actually going to hang on to this. Like I know we love that coaches are great fits for their team, and I think the story of Travis Green growing as an NHL head coach with this young team is great. And to get to the top of the mountain, it will make for a wonderful story to go. He was with them all the way. He brought them on board. He was their guy. They grew up with him as the coach, as the slash father figure. But there's always Travis Green, the person, too. Who goes? Hey, I've worked really hard at this job. I deserve something. I think I'm 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 uh, uh, attractive to a lot of other NHL teams. I don't know what jobs will be open. I know my family lives in California. While I come to Vancouver to work, if I can get closer to them, that may be better for Travis Green, the person. There is no way, if I'm Travis Green, that I sign anything that says two years in front of me. He signed a three-year deal with no NHL head coaching experience. Yes. What? Why, why would you regress yourself and say, ah, oh, yeah, two years, that's fine. That That's not how you build your own market value. And it, it's a good point you make of, okay, if you're not getting the deal you want, why would you rush into this? I strongly believe that if there was a scenario where Travis Green was available, a lot of teams would, I don't want to say move mountains, but a lot of teams would be interested immediately. Because I think this new breed of coach – uh, this younger, perhaps more relatable to players level of coach. I'm thinking of like the Rod Brindamores of the world, right? And, yes. and Socket and Green. A lot of these guys, teams are looking for this. And if you are if you see someone that's had success, right? And I don't know it hasn't come with Stanley Cups or anything like that, but as far as building a program and having success with guys playing for you, buying into you, that's what I look at and see Travis Green has had major success why I, I rate him as highly as I do, because that's the most important thing for me for a coach is can you get buying consistently? And he's done that. Teams would fall over themselves to get someone who understands that, preaches that, and gets that out of his players. Well, let, let's go a, a couple of hours south of us where they're starting a new in Seattle. And, you know, we always said, oh, Mike Babcock, he'd be great. Jared Gallant, he would be great. And certainly they would be nice to for Ron Francis to say, hey, you guys want to take this head coaching job? But to your point, Beck, you know, Mike Babcock and a Jared Gallant are still kind of, I'm not going to say really old school coaches, but they're not of the new way that a Travis Green would be or a Rick Talk would be, right? Wouldn't you think they would be more attractive to Seattle? Go, okay, this is kind of the new breed of head coach. A modern approach too, right? And and what do we know about Seattle so far with their hiring practices, right? It's been very modern, very progressive. Let's let's expand our net and bring in as many people with differing opinions, and let's do this collectively, collaboratively. What does Travis Green preach throughout this whole process here that we've learned in three years? Can the collective of players work together to achieve one result? these philosophies kind of start lining up, right? And, and you you start looking at it, it's like, who who fits the the personality of a franchise? I look at Seattle, I think, yeah, it's great, the Babcocks and the Glance of the world, but find me someone who's going to continue preaching what the organization is preaching, and you can you know get things across as one message, as, as one heartbeat. You, you need the right messengers. And a coach like Travis Green in that mold, fits that personality of what the team is doing just down south of us. Now, let me get make this clear. I don't think Travis Green is going anywhere. I think Travis Green will be here to see how far the nucleus of this team can run, and maybe they can get to it all. 
But what I am saying is you would be foolish to think that Travis Green and his representatives, as they sit and try and iron this out, and I believe they will, we'll talk to Berkey. He said, listen, it's the economics right now. You just can't put it forth. And I'm sure Travis knows that, and I can understand that from a Canucks perspective. But to think if Travis Green starts to wonder and go, well, geez, what if we don't sign it? What will happen? I don't think there's any, well, I'm not going to find any work. I just, I just don't think there's anything out there for me. There will be lots out there for Travis Green if he decides that you don't want to be the Canucks. Now, hey, if this team falls flat on their face, maybe you don't have that leverage. Right now, he's probably got the most leverage there is. And I think for, for most people, Bick, they realize this team has been prodded along a long ways and have seen a complete transition. Goodbye to the Sedins, new people, new responsibility. And Travis Green has been a big part of all of that. I, I'm not even sure how much his, his stock takes a hit unless it's spectacularly bad like yeah Detroit Red Wings level in in a short sample size of you know 40 50 games it's I, I'm not even sure how much his stock is going to take a hit it's in a scenario right now this contract negotiation and normal practice you wouldn't want your head coach going into a final year of his deal and, and being that quote-unquote lame duck but Travis Green's got a lot of leverage in this scenario so yeah he's, yeah exactly this can play at his pace yeah, and I, I think what he wants, he's no different than, than you know, free agents. Okay, we've got to figure out what the new numbers are. You know, you're the Bobrovsky's making his $10 million. You know, Jacob Markstrom wasn't thinking he was getting $10 million in the offseason. You know, maybe a couple of years ago he thought, hey, I might be that guy. Well, no, that's not going to be the case. The, the money's not there. Mike Babcock money is not going to be there. I think everybody inside any organization, doesn't matter what your position is, if you're on the ice behind the bench, there's going to be some kind of a salary adjustment. I think Travis knows that. But I don't think, and I think Canuck fans go, well, he would, he'd never go anywhere. I think we forget. I mean, look at Barry Trotz. Look at the situation. Look at the relationship he had with the Washington Capitals when they get rid of him in the playoffs. And it's like, oh, man, it's like, oh, we get to see our dad. We would, never would have gone. And, and there's, I don't think the one thing with Washington and Trotz, there was some acrimony between front offices and him. I don't think there's anything there with Travis Green. This is just a, this is just a business trying to get done. I think it will get done. But I think people would be foolish to believe, geez, if Travis Dean's not here, what's going to happen? He'll be fine. The Canucks will probably be fine by what he's done. But uh, I don't think lining it up and going, he wants that two-year deal. If you get two years in front of him, I'd push it back and go, I'm okay. I'll finish this year and we'll see what happens. Absolutely. And think of the decisions that are looming for the franchise, right? It's it's your head coach. It's your two biggest stars, Pedersen and Hughes, one year left on their deal. And secretly, like I would say, one of the most important people in the organization, if you want to create institutional edges, like Ian Clark, like there's another guy, you know, having a strong goaltending foundation from your coaching staff, which we were just talking about, someone who can get more out of, you know, this goalie pipeline you're trying to create. There's another person that's fundamentally important to how the Canucks are operating right now. All four of these guys with their contracts coming up. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Uh, you want to try and keep the band together, and right now you got a pretty good band, so uh, that is the work of everybody to do. Hey, it's 644, still ahead. One of the biggest BC celebrities, well, the life story, coming in an eight-year, eight-episode season to you. We'll explain who it is. Not BS, just PS ahead. 644 on Sportsnet 650. He always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS, just 
P.S. with Perry Solkowski. Oh, we deal with all the headlines, but uh, we certainly uh, have to find other things that are going on in the world of sports. And it is a little P.S. for you. P.S. Weather here is okay. It's rain. We expect the rain. It's sunny down in Nevada. Just talking to Todd Furman. But out east, the snow is coming. So it doesn't matter what your platform. If you have one, it's good to send out some safety reminders. T.J. Oshie. Sergei Bobrovsky. U.S. tries to put the pressure on first in the shootout. Gliding along slowly. Score! This man's hands are incredible. Yeah, T.J. Oshie's got good hands. We know that around the net. But he also wants to tell everybody and took the social media yesterday, Bick. Everybody in D.C., if you don't know, put your hands at 10 and 2. Keep them on the steering wheel. Driving tips in the snow. D.C. drivers accelerate slowly. Brake slower. Drive further back from the car in front of you. That's kind of strange, but not a bad idea of T.J. Oshie, who's from Minnesota, say, hey, this is how you drive in this weather. Don't hit my car. <laughs> he likes uh, crashing and banging just only when it's in front of the net. Never on yeah. the roads. Yes. P.S. It was the rock and roll relationship heard around the world, and now it's coming to a small screen near you. How dare you spray f***ing pepper spray? We didn't spray anything, lady. I didn't do anything. No, but your husband attacked the photographer Well, don't spray pepper spray down my f***ing Oh, hello, Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. Hulu has ordered a limited eight-episode scripted series about Tommy Lee and Pam. Pair got hitched in 95 on the beach in Mexico. Four days later, they're dating. Sex tape stolen from the honeymoon. Seth Rogen is one of the producers. He's going to have a cameo. He's going to play the guy who steals the sex tape. I don't know, Beck. Pamela Anderson, who I think has been quarantining on the island. Eight episodes. You watching any? I, I didn't realize this needed to be made into a show. Um, I guess I'll check it out because we're in quarantine and what else are we doing? But... I didn't realize there was a high demand for a miniseries on Tommy Lee and Pamela. I guess so. You know, I, I had to go back and see it. Here's my best Pamela Anderson story. I go to a Vancouver Grizzly game with my daughter, like, on a Sunday afternoon. And she's got to be maybe three or four. She's rocking the Grizzly uniform, which is great as we see it go retro. She's got the hat on backwards. We're going to the car after game's over, and we walk into uh, Rocky Mountain Chocolate. I'm not paying much attention. I'm looking at the chocolate, and I get to the till, and all I hear is, hey, cute kid. And I look up, and it's Pamela Anderson. And I had no comeback other than that, thanks. Come on. I needed something there. There's no one in there except the four of us. She's got a friend. Looked like she'd party pretty good the night before. She gives me the compliment to my kid. I thought, well, there was my chance. I did nothing. Anyways, not BS, just PS, everybody. Uh, in the meantime, here's how you're supposed to start the new year. In this universe, there's only one absolute. Everything freezes. Polar Bear Swim officially canceled downtown in English Bay. Can't do it. That's not a surprise. You know how people are huddled there. So what they've done is they're encouraging people to take a dip in a bathtub or a kiddie pool. They tell you to adjust the temperature to 7 degrees Celsius. That's the average water temperature of the swim. And do it around 2.30 on the January 1st. Beck, you ever done the polar bear swim? I have not. I got all the respect in the world for people that do. That is a, a massive event every year, I know. But I, I don't have the 
braveness to uh, test the waters. Yeah, you reach a stage in life where you go, I'm not doing that anymore. I've done it a couple times, and now I just think, you know, I would like to see January 2nd, and I'm not sure I will if I jump in the cold water. Uh, P.S. I've had a great year in fantasy. Uh, Todd Gurley is on my team. Man, he has struggled, and his struggles continue. Todd Gurley will break through. Gurley high hurdling and loses the football. Yeah, uh, Gurley's been losing the football, but he's also been juggling and fumbling other things. He took to social media yesterday to let people know what is it with the NFL. He's on the latrine and has his cell phone and accidentally fumbles it uh, back into the toilet. Then went on, it took about five or six minutes to tell everybody the situation, where it was sitting and what it was sitting on and whether or not he would make the decision to pick it up. Apparently he did, Vic. It's all content nowadays, as kids say. If uh, something happens, you got to put it online. I guess so. Do we need to know those kind of thoughts? You just need to hang on to the football and apparently hang on to the cell phone. We're in the bathroom, Todd. Uh, That's a PSMBS. That segment brought to you by Langley's newest auction. Urban Auctions has hundreds of items to bid on at fantastic prices. Bid right now online. It's at urbanauctions.ca. Brian Burke ahead in the 7 o'clock hour, 6.54 in the home hockey sports at 6.50. Let's get it going. It's time to get up. We have more urgency to make sure we uh, we play our team and we, we take those games really seriously and we have no time. These guys are here to break it all down. Jake has, uh, has had something to prove since he was drafted. Um, it, it comes with the territory. Being a very high overall draft pick, BC boy, uh, you can kind of throw it all at him. Again, all the tools, but but haven't quite put it together. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. God, I, I'm going to kill this guy when I get off the phone. This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. Morning, 7.01 on the home of the Vancouver Canucks, the home of hockey. You've got it on Sportsnet 650. Perry Zolkowski along with Vic Nazar. A reminder, the 7 o'clock hour brought to you uh, by Dunbar Lumber. The smart alternative, visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridgestein and Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver or online at DunbarLumber.com. Vic, we're set to get into it. Vic, let's, let's deal with our poll question quickly before Brian Burke, as always, will join us momentarily. Poll question, we're curious. You know, Chris Tanev takes the A away as he goes to Calgary. What do we got as far as numbers as to who should be the person wearing the A as the Canucks take to the ice, hopefully at some point next month? Your options, Quinn Hughes, JT Miller, Tyler Myers, and Elias Pettersson. Uh, JT Miller kind of running away with it. 76% of the vote so far. Next closest is Elias Pettersson at 19.3. So just a couple of meager votes for Quinn Hughes and Tyler Myers, both under 3% so far. Do you think it still carries a significance? Like, I know we debated for so much as to who the captain of the team would be. And I tell you, it might be different if JT Miller came here a couple of years ago as to naturally giving it to Bo Horvat. But do you think with some veterans, it makes a difference whether they have that on or not? No, I think we just more and more we're getting to the point of, you know, collaborative effort of, of leadership and, you know, even guys that aren't wearing a letter you know, have voices in the rooms. But I, I do think there is a sense of, you know, you want to start committed to guys long-term and, you know, show that they're part of the, you know, culture of your team. Uh, it would be nice to see the JT Millers of the world uh, get that letter on their jersey. 
Yeah, I, I think you saw with uh, you saw with JT Miller and, and the the video that that everyone watched as he was giving the lineup to the Canucks, getting them ready with some pizzazz and personality. That I, I don't think he's sitting and going, well, naturally, I should uh, I should be uh, I should be getting the um, the A. I'm the guy who certainly deserves to have the A. So um, interesting to see. Uh, uh, where that goes, Brian Burke will join us. Am I having some technical problems, Vic, here right now? You sound just... a little bit different after the break. Oh, do I? Okay. Give yeah. me give me one second, Vic. Talk for 30 seconds. How about that? Oh, I, I can gladly fill the time. And again, if you want to uh, chime in on uh, the poll question at Sportsnet 650 on Twitter, your thoughts as well, 650-650 uh, into our Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, we were talking about Travis Green earlier as well and uh, the mm-hmm. allure to Seattle. Yeah. There you go. That, that, you know, that's the Perry Sikowski I know. Yeah, we worked on it. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. I think we just uh, uh, unplugged something. But, yeah, Travis Green and Brian Burke's going to join us momentarily. Uh, Travis Green, not with that contract extension yet. <laughs> Listen, Berkey has become a we, – we saw it with Mike Keenan here. Um, I believe I'm, – I'm trying to draw a blank who had Berkey had in Anaheim. But it wasn't Randy. It was Mike Babcock. That he had, and then he had the same thing in Toronto, right? The point that Sat made, uh, if uh, you didn't hear it yesterday, was you you wonder if the Canucks would like to align the GM with the coach. I I think in a perfect world, but that's that doesn't happen very often. No, it 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 feels kind of wishful thinking, right? To me, it's just invest in the people that are good at their job and figure out the rest later. Because you know, what if a scenario is you you move off of Jim Benning and then you wind yourself you wind up with. You know, an inferior GM and an inferior head coach. Uh, invest in people that are doing good at their job is, is how I land. Well, surround yourself with smarter people than you, and you're probably yep. going to be successful. Um, speaking of which, Brian Burke is a presentation of Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. Good morning, Berkey. Morning. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're okay. We're okay. Rain's coming down, but whatever. We live in Vancouver, so we will stay with high spirits. Um, we've been talking this morning. Uh, our friend Sat Shaw was speaking yesterday of the fact, you know, still no Travis Green. I know we've we've talked with you before, and you say that's not a concern. But he was mentioning, I guess, in a perfect world, you would like to align as an owner, your GM and coach. You never had that happen, did you? I'm thinking of your GM jobs. You always came in, and a coach was in place already. Not. Yes, I inherited a coach every time. Um, and it's funny, in 30 years, I never fired a coach that I hired. But I had to replace coaches that were in place when I came in, like Mike Keenan was in uh, in Vancouver. And so I had to make a coaching change about halfway through that first year. But um, I don't think they'd have to line up necessarily. I mean, I think the key is that the coach has to have enough tenure that he's not working in the last year of his contract. And I I think Travis will get done. I think they're happy with him. I just think, and I haven't talked to Travis or Benji, but my guess is you're seeing a real contraction in in the salaries for coaches and GMs both. And that's probably part of the problem. What was realistic in August probably isn't realistic today. If you were giving him advice and term seems to be an issue, I said last hour, if, if I'm with Travis Green and they put something that only has two years in front of it, I'd say, that's okay, I'll just finish this year out and we'll see where we go from there. Does he deserve something that's longer than two years? Well, it deserves. I mean, he's done a really good job. And if that's what he wants, I mean, 
I, I don't know what his, his family situation is, where his family is, and I don't know if that factors in. Um, you know, the reason I didn't extend in, in Anaheim was because I couldn't keep doing that coast-to-coast commute. You know, for 11 years, I flew back every other weekend to see my kids. And that's the reason I wouldn't take the extension in Anaheim. They were more than fair, ownership was. Um, when in Vancouver, they didn't want me, so they didn't renew my contract. So it depends. But if that's what's important to them, term is always nice when you're a young coach. Uh, term, if your team is ascending rapidly and you've done a really good job like Travis has, there's nothing wrong with short term. We were just talking earlier, Brian, just that, you know, the leverage all feels like it's all on Travis Green's side here because he kind of fits this persona of a modern coach that if he were to become a free agent, uh, certainly his phone would be ringing off the hook. Is that fair? Yeah, but I'm not sure. You got to, when Mike Babcock signed with Toronto, the coaching market took a massive jump. And my information is that jump is you're not going to see a $6 million coach again anytime soon. And I mean, in decades, probably. And so that's probably, and again, I haven't talked to Benji or Travis. I'm just guessing that this is an issue. How much of a reduction or how much contraction has taken place in the marketplace? What's fair? What did Bill Armstrong get as a new GM in Phoenix? What did Bill Zito get as a new GM in Florida? I'm guessing those are contracted salaries in a pandemic. Well, and, and you mentioned a lot, and we'll plug your, your book, Burke's Law, and I want to get into it a little bit more, too. But when you were dealing with free agents, you deal with taxes. That would be the same with the coach. You mentioned you traveling back and forth to Boston every second weekend. Most people know Travis Green's family lives in the Anaheim area. That's got to be something that weighs in. And then, yeah, the salary. So I, I think as fans, it's great to see Travis Green has grown with these kids, and let's get to the top of the mountain together. But at some point, it does become business. But we always say, I, I think the Canucks are smart enough as a group to realize, hey, he's he's a valuable member here. Let's make it work. But there is also the business side. And I think you make a great point. At some point, if you've been it for a while, it may not always be the chase and the allure of four or five years. Because you look at four or five years, as you said, you just you just couldn't make a trip anymore to be not just the hockey guy, but Brian Burke, the father. Yeah, and you want you want to win, too. You got to look at if you're a coach. You got to. I, I used to tell coaches this all the time. You've got to harness yourself to the right mule if you're a coach. You got to work for a GM you think can get it done. If you ever want to get your name on the cup, and a lot of times coaches are betting on their GMs as much as they are. And if Jim Benning's contract hasn't been extended, maybe Travis isn't going to extend his. Who knows? And I'm speculating here, but there's a lot that goes into it. Family commuting, uh, all those things. And then again, the market adjustment, how much has the market adjusted on coaching salary? My guess is it's significant. You're talking about this pandemic crunch and, and how that market's changing for coaches. Just on the idea for the NHL, there's some reports today that you know, still hoping for January 13th. Uh, what is your sense of what the NHL is trying to do and, and how many hurdles they still have to clear here? Well, my understanding is that it's still our goal, January 13th. They're running out of runway here, though. If we don't get this thing in place and get training camp in place and get a schedule done, we're going to run out of runway. And there's still – the information I got was as late as yesterday. They're still considering hubs. And my sense is if you can't play 48 or 54 games, at some point the number is too small for it to be meaningful. And at some point, you know, if it was a 36-game season – my sense would be, let's just get back at it in the fall then, if that's all we're going to do. 
So the key with January 13th is, it, so you, I think you have to back everything out. So if they want to finish by July 15th, which they do, they want to avoid running into the Olympic window. And so if you go July 15th, okay, you have to leave 14 days for the Stanley Cup final. You play every other day, you have to plan on seven possible games, that's 14 days. So now you're back to July 1st. And say, okay, we're going to do a back-to-back in each round of the playoffs this year. So now it's 12 days. You're, so you only have to put a set aside 12 days. So now you go from the 15th back. Now you're at the third. Then you back out 12 more days to the conference final. Then you back out 12 more. All of a sudden, guess what? You're back into May. So if you start playing in January, February, March, April, if you're going to play 56 games or 48 games, you got to start playing on January 13th. We're going to be playing three games and four nights for the rest of the season. Yeah, it, it's it almost seems like I thought maybe they could drag it a week past. Like I was thinking, ah, if they go January twentieth, they'll still get it in, but they'll cram it in. As an organization, would you be sitting with your coach right now with different alternatives as to how you handle training camp, or do you know with no preseason games how your approach would be? Because there's no way it can be the same as normal. No, well, it's it's got to be. I think what you have to do is my my sense from talking to players, including. Uh, a lot of players who play for Canadian teams is they are physically ready. They've been assuming that they're going to play sometime around Christmas time and they're physically ready to play. So assuming your conditioning is at peak levels, you don't have to worry so much about that. And and Travis is not a new coach, so he doesn't have to break in new systems or whatever. It's not like this is his first training camp with them, um, like Sheldon Keefe here in Toronto. Uh, so I think it's a combination of, okay, they're probably doing some Zoom calls over the summer and talking about stuff okay, let's review all of our systems. Let's work on systems. We don't have to spend a lot of the practice on conditioning, but let's work on our systems, work on our power play, work on our shorthand, work on our goalie out, uh, work on you know all the different things we have to do. Because it is a short season. If you have a poor start uh, or your, your special teams aren't special, if they're lousy, uh, you could fall out of this. You know, If you get four games out, like 20 games in, you're going to have a hard time making that back up in a short year. You know, we've spent so much time, Brian, talking about you know all, all the difficulties. And we, we had a mini conversation to start the show just talking about a guy like Sven Berchi. And just when you approach this, this new reality for coaches and you're going to get this expanded rosters, what opportunities also present themselves? Is, is there a way to look at, at some of this stuff as, as a positive for management or coaching staffs? Well, to me, it's just different. It's like the bubble. The teams that embraced the bubble did well. And it's going to have to be the same thing here. You have to, the goaltending rotations are going to be different. you got a compacted schedule. you got a compressed schedule. The travel is going to be different. And I think the number one thing I would be saying to my team is, I don't want to hear any whining or bitching about three games and four nights or back-to-backs. Just shut up and play. I think the teams that embrace the difference, the fact that it's different, will probably have the most success instead of saying, well, geez, we've got to go back-to-back. So we've got to back-to-back. I never minded back-to-backs when I was a GM. I thought it gave us more practice time. So I, I think it's going to be different, and I would stress that to my players. It's, it's going to be different. So we're going to travel with 27 guys instead of 23 in case there's a COVID outbreak, in case we have injuries. We can't bring a guy up from Utica, so we're going to carry a taxi squad. That's going to be different. And a coach has to stay out and skate with the aces. That's going to be different. And I just, I would say to the players, I don't want to hear about it. 
I don't want to hear one word about it. I mean, we deal in our world of, of goals, assist, ice time, but I'd like your perspective here on relationships because I, I think that is really what, what you always had with some players and still have to this day. Bick mentions Van Berchi. So here's a guy who, not good enough to make a team last September. He's shocked that they send him to Utica and bury the contract. Uh, but he does everything right in Utica. Travis has known him since his days in Portland. Then Sven goes, and, and rightly so, because of health and a young family, he does not want to travel with that team and go into the bubble in Edmonton. Yet here he sits, and he's saying all the right things, and Travis is excited that, hey, he's got an opportunity you never know. Is that because of a relationship between organization and player, Brian? Because I think there would probably be cases that you know that you just know this is done. Didn't make the team. They're done. He wants to be traded, as Sven asked. But yet it still seems there's a, there's a door there to go, hey, if you're good enough, there's still a place for you here. Yeah, I I can't I can't see him making the Canucks again. I I just I, I had Sven in Calgary, and he's a really really good kid, and he's a gifted athlete. I'm just not sure how important the game of hockey is to him. So they can say all the right things, but I can't see him making that team. But I do. Yeah, we said if he's on this team, it's not a good thing for the Canucks. And is that where it is? Yeah. Is that just at some point, just mentally, he doesn't? It's not the most important thing in his world. Yeah, and, and again, I, I would say this. If I didn't like him, I'd just say that and say, look, it's not important enough to him and leave it at that. But I like him. He's actually a really nice kid. You guys have talked to him. He's intelligent. He's engaging. He's a nice kid. I just don't think hockey was ever important enough to him. Uh, when it comes to something like that, you know, you try to have like a the, the term we use is an open door policy, and, and Travis has kind of shown that where you know he's willing to bury the hatchet with you know some things that Louis Erickson has said or something like that. And in this stance, it, it was a, a trade demand. Uh, you know, what was your policy? Is just, is it one strike and you make it a ban and okay, or do you try to work it out? I don't recall too many players making trade demands on Brian Burke. I, I just don't recall that. <laughs> And I would treat it very angrily and very publicly and say, you know, that the trades are my department. Shut up and play. Uh, I have had players come to me and ask for a trade quietly and professionally or, or their agent has asked quietly and professionally. Pavel Bure is the best example. He refused to play for me when I came back in 1998 and I had to trade him. Um, in general, I think one strike is probably all you get with me. Uh, I think it's especially with young players. They tend to say stupid things sometimes. So you can forgive one, but two would be, yeah, I wouldn't like that. Well, you you mentioned your your talk with Marcus Naslin, where you thought he was going to ask for a trade, and you just said, no, don't even ask me that, because then that puts you in the bad spot. Yeah, and that's that was Pat Quinn's rule, and it was my rule, too. If you ask for a trade, I'm getting rid of you, unless you're a kid. Young kids sometimes pop off. You're like, kid, you're, you haven't even played in the league yet. You're in your entry-level contract. I'm not trading you. And I'm not going to trade you ever until the entry-level contract is up and we see what we have here. Uh, but with Marcus, I thought he was going to come in and ask for a trade, and I told him, just sit down and shut up and listen to me. Because if you say what I think you're going to say, then I am going to move you. I want to ask you something about your book, Burke's Law. By the way, do you get the numbers? Like, is that thing flying off the shelves? Are you happy? Or do you get statistics regularly on it? You, you can't. If you someone tried to – I only know what people tell me. Um, a friend of mine went to three bookstores in Calgary yesterday and couldn't find it. And it sold out on Indigo today. 
Someone who tried to order on Indigo or Amazon today sent me a note that they, I have to get them a copy and sign it for their son because they can't buy it before Christmas now. Well, that's good news, I would think. Good for you. Well, I want to mention, I, so I'm reading it now, and last night I'm looking at it, and you're talking about the year before, the playoffs before you guys won the Stanley Cup. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. I want to ask you tomorrow morning because it said right after the playoffs, you guys gathered as an organization and thought, are we that good? Are we that close? Or did we get great goaltending? Now, the Vancouver Canucks are not that close. But do they look at and would they have after their bubble and go, was that us or was that great goaltending? Is that yeah, an evaluation that every team's go through? Well, I think in our case – Janice Segura is one of the best money goaltenders of all time. And we went to the Stanley uh, conference finals that year. We lost to Edmonton and we had to really reflect like we, that was, you know, Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry's first year. Uh, Joffrey Lupo had a great year. He's probably our best forward in the playoffs that year. And, and I think you have to reflect like, okay, so that team played in the Stanley cup finals in 03, missed the playoffs in 04 played in this conference finals in 05 or 06 rather there was no 05 and then won a cup in 07 so i think people say well there was a nucleus of a good team that went for five years basically but there's not one defenseman's name on the stanley cup that was there when i got there we rebuilt the whole defense brian murray the late great brian murray left some really good pieces at forward but yeah i think perry i think you have to do that that uh, or james i forget who's off today I think you have to do that analysis when you have a run and say, are we legit or did we just ride a hot goaltender? And if you're legit, then it's a different discussion. Then it's like, all right, well, let's go shopping. If we're a top four, top four team, then what do we need? And everyone said, we just need Chris Pronger. I'm like, well, that'll be easy. No one else wants him. Got it done. Uh, you should know this. James is off even when he's on. So he's not here today. <laughs> Thank you for this. Appreciate it. Okay, Good thanks, news guys. on the book. Try and find it. Are we are we on next week? What to, what's the date today? I don't know. You want to have a production meeting right now? Uh, no, we're not on next week. So okay. with that, happy well, holidays to you and your family. Appreciate yeah, it. Let's hope 2020's uh, gone and forgotten. New things better in 2021. Yeah, and to everyone who's listening, please enjoy your holiday season, and I hope the coming year is a much better year than this year, and God bless you all. There he is, uh, Brian Burke. Joins us every Thursday. Burke's Law. Beck, do you got the book yet? Uh, I do not. It's on my Christmas list, though. Well, you're not going to find it, apparently. You know, in different times, you would think all of us working for the same network, we would just got a box of books. Berkey signing it. You know what? He... Okay, so this came out during the pandemic, right? Yeah, came out Yeah, a couple months ago, I guess. Maybe it's, sitting, maybe it's sitting in my mailbox back at uh, Ash Street there. I haven't been in offense since uh, since March. Yeah, I'm going to say no, uh, simply because Seaball uh, and I um, have pretty much been, if not begging, just kind of go, hey, like, is there any chance we're too cheap to spend $25 on the book? And he's very quick. No, buy the book, buy the book. A line in which he said uh, Igor Larionov gave him when back in the day when Igor was playing for the Canucks and there were some reports out that possibly during this time over Russia, uh, PEDs were used and it came out and Igor had to face the press and Berkey brought him in and said, Igor, is there any other questions coming? Um, and he said, oh, by the book. <laughs> I'm not going to give you the answers if anything else happened. By the book. It is. 
if you are a Canucks fan, a Brian Burke fan, it is a very fascinating read. I mean, Burke, always has a lot of stories, but there's an awful lot that has happened um, and gone on. And uh, he recounts, well, some very interesting times there in his story of his son and the tragedy and, and how everything can learn from him. So uh, a very interesting book. We thank Brian Burke, as always, as he gets set and joins us every Thursday. Uh, I want to remind you, Countdown to Tip-Off is underway. It's brought to you by Denny's. Get a holiday turkey dinner for four. Starting at just $59.99, visit denny's.ca. Is the NHL, have they kept that date circled? January 13th. Can we book it? We'll give you some fresh details. That's ahead. 724 in Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 729. Did you hear that from Chris Wall? Like, I don't understand the whole point. Athletes cannot uh, go to the Olympics and compete for Russia. So then they go and they just go there as Olympic athletes from Russia and wear like that. Like I shouldn't say crazy jersey. When I was in Pyeongchang, I was like, man, I'd like to get a handle on that. That'd be great paraphernalia. The like, athlete that... jersey? Yeah, it just says uh, Olympic athlete from Russia. It doesn't say we're competing for Russia. You're just an Olympic athlete for Russia. So really, did they come up with a big ban this morning? You can't go for the next two Olympics. Uh, you just have to change your attire and put on a different jersey. It doesn't do anything. Makes no sense. Uh, yeah, I'm not too sure. I totally understand the the premise of this ruling from today it's just it it, it feels like a, a half measure kind of thing yeah we what you're doing is wrong and we want to tell you that but your best athletes can still go there uh dunbar uh lumber text line you can always join us 650 650 uh people say i'm getting burke's book digitally Burke, a good friend of mine signed 10 books for me yeah i had to buy them all but made for easy christmas shopping well there you go Obviously, a much better friend of his that signed 10 books. I think oh, if I was to humble bringing, humble bringing the text inbox today. Yeah, that's a subtle flex. Hey, a good yeah. friend of mine, 10 books for me. Uh, there you go. I don't know. It, there's been a lot of good hockey books that are out there right now, but we always appreciate Brian Burke. Joins us every Thursday. And he was saying, and, and the latest news is, and, and Berkey doing the calculations going, you know what, you've got to get to um, January 13th. If you don't get it going January 13th, he says you start to condense the schedule. We all know that at some point the Olympics are coming, whether the Russian athletes are there or not. And that is a, that's a finish line. When we talked about this in the summertime, there was no deadline. Well, if, if you got to drag it out, you can drag it out, but hopefully you're done by the end of September. No, NBC has a TV deal. You want to get that done by the middle of July, which means you want to get that done, meaning the Stanley Cup handed out. So there is a deadline. So you need to start at some point. And there are reports uh, coming out today that, yes, although Gary Bettman spoke and goes, I hope mid-January, that certainly January 13th is what they are looking for, Bick. This is the perfect solution that will get the schedule in with what they feel is an appropriate number of games. And I did like the way Brian Burke kind of reverse engineered how they're thinking about this, right? It's it, – just like you were saying, it's the Olympics. Okay, so how many days is for the Stanley Cup and playoffs and all that? And so if your break point to finish the regular season is somewhere in May, okay, think about it then. February, March, April, two, a couple of weeks of May, you got to be able to fit 
and the amount of games that where your your season is still has some integrity. And if you want to get forty eight, I, I think anything below forty eight is when I say, all right, maybe this isn't really the season that we all thought it was going to be. Um, so you got to get going at the or at the latest, like January twenty fifth ish. So you got to hustle here as far as figuring out all these obstacles here. Yeah, see, I I sit at half, right? Half glass full. If you play forty one games, and, and I'm sure it becomes, you know, obviously it's it's going to be a crazy schedule to begin with. How do you wait out? How many teams you're playing uh, in the Canadian Vision? You're going to end up playing someone seven times now, and others nine. But if you give me half of what a regular season is, I can justify. Uh, your Stanley Cup winner. I do think the Stanley Cup winner of this season, whoever gets awarded the Stanley Cup in July, I hate to use the term asterisk. I used it in the summertime going, you should almost put an asterisk beside what we were going to see in the bubbles. Uh, I was quick to say, you know what? This has been much better hockey than I anticipated. The three months off didn't bother anybody. But I would think that this year, maybe more than last, if they play 40-plus games, Canadian division, you know, the power is going to be in certain divisions more so than others that you could throw an asterisk this one. If you were a 2021 Stanley Cup champion, you might just go, yeah, that was that crazy season, right? More so than I would have talked about the bubble. Uh, I'm not sure I care about that. It's just, yeah, like I would put an asterisk to indicate, hey, there was division realignment for this season. I don't know if it weakens the championship win because you're still going to get 16 teams entering the playoffs. You're still going to get four rounds. You're still going to get best of sevens. All that stays true and the same. And in doing so, you should be able to emerge with two strong Stanley Cup candidates uh, in the final. So if you're a strong team, you're going to win no matter the circumstances. But, Bick, what do we always say? Uh, By the time they win a Stanley, it is the hardest trophy in all of sports to win. 82 games, a war of attrition. Yeah, guess what? You're you're not running as far to win the Stanley Cup in 2021. I okay, I guess the only frame of reference you can do is the last shortened season. And I guess that year you could say, you know, Chicago wins. They're obviously a, a dynasty, but that season didn't necessarily resemble the usual hockey we like to see mm-hmm. during the regular season. So that element is okay, maybe the 16 teams that qualify isn't necessarily the same, the manner in which it does, but the right team won. It's not as if Chicago was a weak candidate to win. They had success prior to and after as well. Everything is exaggerated, right? Um, All of a sudden someone gets hurt and four to six weeks is all of a sudden, you're kidding me, man. There's, there's 25% of the schedule. There's more, right? So, um, I, I do think we're going to see a bunch of injuries because although these guys are training and ready to go, I think when you crank it up like they will, and I don't think it's going to be cranked up to the level that we saw in July or August in the bubble right away. But four to six weeks is like, oh my goodness, that would be the comparative. Well, let, let's say we're playing half the season. Four to six, six weeks is eight to 12, two to three months. Can you lose a star player? And it's going to happen. We're going to have some guys, regardless of, of even if the possibility of them traveling, we're going to see some players like we do in the NFL, and hey, he's out a couple of games because there was a positive test of COVID. I do think everyone's exaggerated, which might make the eventual Stanley Cup champion or those who get into the playoffs are going to be hurt by 
someone uh someone going down with an injury go man that that's that's going to kill us for the next 5 weeks we're going to play x amount of games and we don't have them it's going to you're going to suffer because of it yeah one thing that I, that lends itself to the asterisk thing is if we see a different playoff format too right obviously we're yeah. going to see um you know different teams having to face off but what if a scenario like a a 6 seed goes down because there's a wild card element to this because they're trying to generate more revenue you're trying to get more tv spots uh brought on and, and you're trying to you come up with a new playoff format in that element if, if like an 11 seed sneaks through i would say all right maybe this isn't necessarily the entirely the same way we just did it but uh by and large i would say if 16 teams are playing you get best of sevens i don't need to put an asterisk next to anything Oh, I hope they look at the playoffs. I hope if we learn anything from an NHL perspective, they look and go, okay, how exciting we're playing games, playing series. We've got a new team coming in. It's time to, to time to make a change. Time to make a change and look at it. I loved when they went 1-16. to 16. And I understand that can mean a whole bunch of travel. Travel's not as complicated as it used to be. And if you're going to say it's a war of attrition anyways, hey, let's stand on top if some team plays from the West Coast and they have to travel out East and they win that series. And unfortunately, because of bad luck, you keep on going out East. That's okay. I, I It's going to be great to see a lot of Calgary, a lot of Edmonton, everybody in the Canadian division. But I love looking at playoffs and going, hmm, that's interesting. We don't see this matchup very much. I would love for the NHL to go back there. I don't think they ever will, but you should be looking at everything and go, okay, did we have this right? If ever we're going to reset and when we launch things next September, let's have it all planned out. Let's have some more playoff games. That's what the fans love. If the players are on board with it, if we can generate more revenue for the league, which means they don't give us as much back in escrow, go ahead and do it. It's the perfect time for the NHL to revisit it all. Well, one thing for next year, not this upcoming season, but the following, you know, once you get to 32 teams, I think you can start having a lot of different conversations of the manner in which you want to dictate your playoffs, right? Once the Seattle Kraken uh, are into the NHL, do you change up your playoff format? Do you extend it to 20 teams, 22 teams? Do you start having a conversation of no longer about division winners or top three seeds in divisions? Is this something that that's just stemming the tide until we get to 32 teams? I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if we look at it and say new playoff format in the 2021 season and say top eight, just make it whichever manner in which you are. We just officially have two divisions now, East and West. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I mean, it's the perfect time when they come in, but I, I think you ha- you have to try and learn something from what you're doing. We're going to see it in yep. the NFL with only one buy. Why wouldn't it do that? Remind you this hour of the starting lineup is brought to you by Dunbar lumber, the smart alternative visit Dunbar lumber on bridge street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver or online at DunbarLumber.com. Uh, something we didn't get into at length that much with Brian Burke. Interesting is comments on spend bear cheap, right? Like there are guys with loads of talent, and Brian made it very clear he had Sven, he likes Sven, but there's a desire factor and a passion factor that he thinks Sven Berch just doesn't have to play in the NHL. Yeah, very uh, interesting comments. It's I think one thing we got to remember with athletes is just because they're so talented, maybe not everyone is as invested as you are with your fandom as they are into their craft. Now, I don't necessarily know if that's true with Sven Berchi. That's Brian's thoughts. Uh, but that is an element. Some guys are just hilariously talented at sports, and you can make a pretty good living doing this, obviously with some physical duress to it, but 
you know, the, the thing with Sven Berchi is when he signed that contract, and you alluded to this earlier, Perry, it's just, it, it was a big contract. Maybe it was uh, based on projection of, hey, can you live up to this deal? And obviously he hasn't, and he's resulted in the scenario that he is. But it, it is an element in the equation to say, uh, is this someone who got that money and maybe didn't live up to wanting to say this is what he's worth and continually earning it? He's not the first NHL player or first pro player. And I don't I don't think you like to hear that because in, in a sense, it's an indictment to the desire to get better. I think it was Chris Higgins we had on a couple months ago said, you know, I, like playing hockey was my job. Like mm-hmm. I was not a guy who went back and was going to watch every game of every other team. Like uh, there are people and I think fans have a tough time realizing it that when they say a job, that's what it is. I remember the the, the famous uh, story we've told before of Paul Coffey warming up one day, and back in the day in the media, you would just go to the to the bench and you would ask over to the players if you could get a comment with them when they're done. And Coffey said, "Yeah, not right now. I'm working." And you go, "Yeah, he is working. Like that's their job." So you know, you train for it, you play for it. The excitement of it is great. People pay the money, and they go, "Wow, it would be amazing to be you." But for some of them, that's work. So for Sven Berchi, he's supporting a young family. How does he support him? By playing hockey, whether it's in Vancouver, whether it's in Utica. But there are players who just don't have that ultimate passion to go, I have to be the best. He's he's amongst the best in the world, makes a great living playing the game. But to play it at the highest level, you know, without hesitating, Brian Burke goes, listen, I like him. I just don't think he wants to play hockey at that level. And I don't think it's, he'll be playing it in the NHL. And if Berkey has that feeling, you would know that most other GMs think, hey, Sven, great guy, lots of tools. And maybe the odd time he has that crazy passion, but the commitment to be a regular NHLer seems to be gone, at least in Brian's opinion. Just because it's your dream to play at that level or at any level professionally doesn't mean it isn't a job for them, right? That's their workplace. Much like us or... Uh, anyone else in the workforce? So you know, a Thursday or a Wednesday, you go into work. You're, uh, you know, coast a day. Yeah, you know, but you know, so sometimes you take days off, right? You, you know, put out eighty percent output, and you kind of get through your day. That happens with players, of course, it does. And you shouldn't leverage your idea of it being a dream to play in the NHL that it isn't them going through a slog of a season as well. We have a great job, but. If you don't think, and I've been doing this for a long time, and a lot of it involved travel, that at some point I would look at a schedule and know that a victory by certain teams would change my family's world for a couple of more days. Not you're crazy. Like I love the job, but at some point you go, this this is how it will affect everybody else. And you can kind of bring that back to Travis Green. Hey, Travis Green will get his contract done here with the Vancouver Canucks. But as Brian says. When you're an athlete or when you're a coach, there are other factors that come into it. Travis Green having his family stay in California and he comes to Vancouver to work. At some point, you go, I wonder if I can have the best of both worlds. So everything does affect uh, decisions that are made. And, you know, Sven Berchi's made some really good money in the NHL and he hopes to make more. Um, you know, as I think we both said, if Sven Berchi in an article in Post Media today is making that money with the Vancouver Canucks next year, Probably a little bit more of an indictment as to where uh, you know where this hockey team is. Um, anyways, thoughts on that? I want to remind people, Alex Newhook, there will be a hockey. We wait for the NHL to start hopefully January 13th, but Alex Newhook 
is going to be a big part of Team Canada. You watched him play in the BC Hockey League with Victoria. He lit it up last year in college after he didn't get named to the team. He will join us in the 8 o'clock hour, so have uh, that to look forward to. It's Perry Selkowski. It's Bick Nazar, the starting lineup on a Thursday morning. Bick, you suggested it. We're not mailing it in. We're ready to go. Another hour 15 left on Sportsnet 650. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. 749 on a Thursday morning. Uh, Bick and Perry with you uh, here um, on the starting lineup. It's got rental, of course, at 9 o'clock. A reminder, Alex Newhook of Team Canada World Junior Hockey Team will join us. Uh, on the other side of the 8 o'clock hour. Bick, there are some great athletes. Um, I will always look back at Kawhi Leonard and go, interesting, come get the job done, let a country go crazy, and then leave. But as Kawhi did all that, he was never really opening himself up to the media, didn't like to talk. I wonder if there's a new leaf, because have a listen to this, Kawhi doing a little Jimmy Kimmel last night. At a team dinner with the Spurs when you played for the Spurs, everyone was eating. You didn't order anything. Uh, instead, you brought uh, 12 apples to the table, red apples. You sat there with a knife and fork and ate each apple and said, it's apple time, apple time. <laughs> Who came up with that story right That is now? not true? You must have seen it. <laughs> no. Okay. No, not at all. I do have an apple tree, but I didn't pick my apples and bring them to dinner. All right. All right. <laughs> Putting putting my hands in my own pockets like some, sometimes <laughs> it's way too small. <laughs> Wait a minute, is that why you left Toronto because your hands were cold? Oh man, I couldn't find gloves to fit me. <laughs> See, big we talk all the time how it's great to hear from athletes, and so like there's a guy who's just played it like that Apple story. I don't know if it's better that he tells us that's not true or it makes him more intriguing if you go, this guy's just a different, different dude. Uh, nice to hear from a superstar like that. Though. Don't you agree? I When I saw that on Twitter yesterday, I was like, no, no, that's false. Uh, Kawhi wouldn't be doing Jimmy Kimmel. And then yeah. sure enough, you see the clips. I'm like, oh, Kawhi showing some personality. That's amazing. Uh, and, and the thing is, like every teammate that you've heard talk about Kawhi says he's a funny guy in the locker room. Like he's just a, a normal personality just to the media at times he's reserved and wants a certain message portrayed and he's you know reserved at the best of times but it's good to see that you know he moves to LA and perhaps gets to know some people develops a relationship maybe with Jimmy Kimmel and it's like all right I'm comfortable doing this yeah and I guess that's it right uh it's the trust that you need some are naturals um, you know, I, I've only talked to Alex Newhook once, and that was probably a couple of summers ago. And when the conversation was done, uh, I remember those around I said, man, that kid sounds like a great personality, you know, relaxed and easygoing. We have never met Nate Schmidt. We've heard him on conference calls. I did a thing with him for the Canucks and Special Olympics on a Zoom call. And you just go, man, this guy's fun. Um, but and I, I think maybe you you said it right. He gets to know someone like Jimmy Kimmel and goes, yeah, you're not going to burn me. But I'd say this. I just think athletes, hey, you can get burned doing anything now in social media. It's whether you pay attention to it. If you're true to yourself, it's not like Kawhi just goes, hey, I've really been practicing my personality. Now I'm going to unleash it. <laughs> yeah. Right? If you believe in yourself and you're like, go do it. Like, good or bad, 
that's fun to hear Kawhi smile and laugh rather than huh, huh, and that's it, right? It, it's changed the dynamic too for I think athletes to say. I, I want to say there is more trust perhaps in the media at times, but also less trust. It's it's so weird. I feel like you can do more now with mm-hmm. social media and you know doing interviews like this. It just perhaps we need to see with higher frequency across athletes. I I hate to say it. Yeah, I wouldn't want to take a poll, but I wonder if athletes are more comfortable in the Zoom era now without right. having 20 microphones in front of you in, in front of your locker. You, you feel like you're in control, right? It's just a different environment when you're sitting in front of a computer and you're not sitting in front of 25 microphones. No right? live I mean, studio audience there for Jimmy Kimmel as well. Actually, there was a laugh track there. What was going on there? Uh, yeah, I don't he, know. Uh, and shows live with people? Yeah, well, uh, we'll see if, if, if he's got a couple people in there. A lot of track. I mean, hey, you watch football. You watch football tonight. It'll sound like there's 50,000 people there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And if the game was played in Florida, there would be. Because <laughs> they just don't know what's going on. Hey, uh, well, listen, we'll talk a little about Alex Newhook, member of Team Canada, played in the BC Hockey League. He's going to be a big part of our team's success uh, over in Edmonton in the next couple of weeks. That's all ahead. 7.54 in the home of hockey. It's Sportsnet 650. Spicing up your morning drive with the Canuck Commute. Jake has, uh, has had something to prove since he was drafted. It comes with the territory. Being a very high overall draft pick, um, BC boy, uh, you can kind of throw it all at him. Uh, again, all the tools, but, but haven't quite put it together. This is the starting lineup. 8 o'clock, Sportsnet 650, Perry and Bick. Thanks for joining us for the final hour. Alex Newhook of Team Canada will join us uh, momentarily from, man, Bick, the quarantining these kids have had to do. Well, they, they must know everything about everybody. Um, what I'll do with our poll question before we get to Alex, and we talked some hockey and world juniors. Of course, he played the BC Hockey League. We know with Chris Tanef gone, there is a letter to be handed out to someone on the Vancouver Canucks. Wonder... The Canucks will give that assistant captain to alternate captain, if you will. You got Hughes, you got JT Miller, you got Tyler Myers, who's going to be here for a while. Or, of course, you've got Pedersen. Do you give it to arguably your best player? 74% of the people say there's no question to this, Bick. You just got to give it to JT Miller. Well, they Agreed? saw the heart and soul he played with uh, all season long, you know, helping coach up some guys as well. We, we know the relationship with Jake Furtan in there the, that he showed during the course of the season. Uh, I think I agree. It, it just, it, he kind of became like the, the heartbeat of the team. As much as Bo Horvitz, the captain, if, if, you, if when I think of last season, uh, you know, Pedersen, he was emerged obviously, but the, the guy who became kind of the alpha of the team was JT Miller to me. Uh, a lot of people responding to this. I will read the uh, response on Twitter from Disco Stu. Stu, I agree with you what you say here. He said, what Miller did last year was amazing. But Pedersen is our guy. He'll play his entire career with the Canucks. Other players speak regularly about how he inspires them to work harder and better. He's one of the driving forces of this team. The choice is clear. I'm not going to say the choice is clear, but I would lean towards Pedersen. Because if Travis Green is calling someone in to get the A, he could call in JT Miller and go, you know what? I don't need to give you this. Just keep being who you are. You're leading this team. And JT leaves and goes, no big deal. No, man. I'm not changing my ways. I'm kind of the official leader of this team. If he calls in Pedersen and goes, kid, you've been something else. You're going to lead us to the promised land. 
Bo's our captain, but we need you to be the guy there too. We want you to put on this A. I think Pedersen goes, that's awesome. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Thank you very much for bestowing this responsibility on me. You actually get more from Pedersen. He feels better about himself than JT Miller. He goes, you don't give me anything, man. I know who I am. The thing about that, like I, I agree with it in principle. It's just it doesn't follow the trend of actions that we've seen from the Vancouver Canucks, right? They named Bo Horvat captain last year when mm-hmm. I think by and large it was probably the worst kept secret in the Canucks organization. He, this guy was going to be captain. No matter what, he was going to be captain. They could have done that well earlier than they actually did. But they waited and waited and waited till he was right for the job. You're talking about projecting Elias Pettersson into becoming a leader. If we're talking about a timeline, the timeline for him to really get it would probably be a year from now or two years from now. Well, and, and here might be the thought is you're going to have another A to give away after next year. Mm-hmm. Sutter is not going to be around. I'd be shocked if he's around. So maybe maybe that's exactly what they're thinking. You know, we could give it to him now, but let's give it to JT Miller and just let Pedersen do his bit. And guess what? We're going to go through a shuffle again, uh, you know, when Sutter's not here. We've got another letter to give, and obviously we know who gets it. So that may work. I, I think some guys care about a letter. Other guys, it doesn't make a difference. I would say JT Miller doesn't really matter to him if he gets it or not. Uh, currently, 74% of you are in on this and go, you've got to give it to JT Miller. We threw Quinn Hughes up there. I just, I don't know if Quinn Hughes is ever going to be a raw, raw guy. I think eventually skill dictates that you have to give him a letter. He's going to be on the ice so much, but only 2% of you think it would be him. Only 3.7% look at Tyler Myers, who I think, you know, they'll need another big year from Tyler Myers, and they missed him on the blue line in the playoffs. When he came back, he was very gritty, but, uh, and 20% of you are thinking that Pedersen is the way to get it done. So, uh, the great thing is, you're not looking and going, we really don't have too many options here. There are plenty of decent options for the Vancouver Canucks, and I guess the one good thing is, um, they are all young people. Uh, speaking of young, talented hockey players, he's the second best in his family. His sister, Abby, is number one, but he'll be pretty good. And we're looking forward to watching him. Former BC Hockey League star Alex Newhook joins us this morning. Morning, Alex. Morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, man, look, you're ready to go. It's nine o'clock at Edmonton. You are you're, you're more awake than us. Man, how have you passed the time? In the last three weeks in Red Deer and Edmonton and all the quarantining, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a bit of a challenge for sure. Um, we've been we've been able to keep busy. Our, our staff's been doing a good job of you know setting out times where we're having different meetings on on Zoom and workouts in the morning. Um, we were lucky to get some spin bikes from from the city of Red Deer, which was fantastic. And um, so we've been trying to do our part here to you know stay in shape and stay ready for for when the tournament comes here. Has this been uh, the biggest challenge for you uh, in your hockey career? Because, you know, you, you move out west and, and here's this time that you want to be excited for for World Juniors and now you got to kind of sit and wait. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been a challenge for sure. It's been a, it's been a long haul and I think, uh, you know, definitely mentally challenging. But I think, you know, at, at the same point, we're all kind of going through it and we're all, um, you know, we're all in this together. So I think that kind of adds to it in the fact that, you know, it's not just one of us that that's waiting it out to to get to where we want to be. We're all kind of just you know waiting anxiously in our rooms here to to start the tournament and to, and to start playing games. So I think that'll probably add to it. You know, once we actually get to you know get on that stage and and uh, get on the ice here in Edmonton. But um, yeah, definitely challenging. Long uh, you know a long month to say to to get where we are now. But 
um, it's uh, you know it's it's good that we kind of went through it together. More gaming, more Netflix, more cards. Any I'm online? Not a big, uh, I'm not a big big gamer guy. Um, okay. I've been I've been more on the Netflix side of things. I wish I could be more on the card side of things, where we could be in each other's rooms. But um, where'd you go with Netflix? What'd you get to? Did you binge something? Uh, no, I didn't really binge something. I just kind of been throwing on How I Met Your Mother. We don't have it in in, in the states on on Netflix, so I kind of been trying to make the most of that show while I'm here. There you go, Alex Newhook. See, see, we said earlier we were talking earlier, and and we were talking about Kawhi Leonard, and he was on Jimmy Kimmel, and we played that, and we got into a conversation, Alex, about about athletes, and um, you know, Kawhi is so quiet, but he showed some personality. Uh, I, we've had you on the show once before, I think, when you were in Victoria, and and right after we were done, had never talked. I said, "Man, that kid's full of life. He's full of energy." Um, is it just natural for you? Do you think Zooming is easier or do you not mind having microphones in front of you? What do you think from an athlete's perspective right now with everything going on with the World Juniors? Yeah, I think there's, uh, you know, I, I think there's a time and place for, for both. I think, um, you know, kind of when, when you're in this situation here with, with not much going on, it's, uh, I think it's easy to kind of, you know, get lost in, in other things. And, and um, you know, especially when there's, when there's a lot of media attention around our team and, and around the tournament this year. But, yeah, I think, you know, from the energy side of things, I'm, uh, you know, I think that's always been kind of natural for me. I'm always excited to, you know, be around the rink, be around the guys and, and you know, to share my opinions on things and, and how I'm feeling. It's, you know, kind of uh, just comes more naturally to me. So, um, yeah, never really a problem for me. You know, there's a time to, you know, put your head down and, and get to the get to the work. But at the same time, I think, you know, it's it's good to be able to talk about it and, um, you know, share uh, share what's going on. I think a lot of people are looking at the the World Juniors this year and thinking, okay, it's a totally different experience and, and what is this going to all look like? For you, is this just an element of, okay, yeah, you're quarantining now, but when the skates are on, it's, you know, hockey is still hockey and everything's still the same? Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, it's it's definitely a different, going to be a different atmosphere this year for us. Um, and, and that's, you know, no, uh, no surprise to anyone. I think that's kind of what we expected ever since the pandemic hit, but um, yeah, I think, you know what, it's, it's still world juniors. It's, you know, without the fans and everything, it's, it's, uh, definitely going to be a little less energy in the building, but, um, you know, we know the, the attention of, of, of team Canada this year and, and, you know, every year world juniors is huge for the country. So, um, we know everyone that's going to be watching, we know we have the support of the country and, and that's kind of, you know, where we're going to get our, a lot of our energy from, even if it's not in the building. Alex Newhook of team Canada joins us. We've had this debate before with the world juniors and how from a media perspective you would see cuts and they would have cameras in the face and they've kind of steered away from that because you just thought that's, that's tough. You're taking best hockey players at their age who have never been told they're not good enough to all of a sudden hear that news and go, oh, what's the reaction? You just, it's so deflating. Shocked to a lot of people that you got that news last year. What did that do to you? Because it seems since then you've kind of said, screw you, I'm going to light it up no matter where I'm playing. Because I would imagine that's the first time you ever said or were told you're not good enough and how you bounce back to it. What did it do to your mindset as a hockey player? Yeah. Um, yeah, last year was definitely pretty unfortunate you know, to hear that news and, and being so close to being part of a team that um, eventually went on to, to win gold. And I think that stings a little bit more. But, um, yeah, in the moment I think, you know, it's it's hard to – you know, realize that, especially when your expectations are, are to be there and, and, you know, you think you, you deserve to be there. But at the end of the day, you know, that, that's kind of something that, 
you can't control what the coaches think. And then that's kind of what mindset was in the moment. But at the same time, um, like you guys mentioned, it's kind of like you want, you want to prove those guys wrong that, you know, they made it, they made a mistake in not taking you regardless of, of how well they did last year. And, and it was great that they, they won gold, but um, just personally, yeah, I think going back to BC and, and knowing, um, you know, I have a lot to prove and, um, you know, there's still people that, you know, still value and, and whatever and still look to that. So I think um, coming back and having a strong second half, I think it kind of, you know, let me get to another level of, of where I wanted to be. And, um, you know, I'm grateful for that opportunity. Just from a hockey perspective, obviously the camp and is a bit different with the quarantine and everything. But just from a hockey perspective, what do you know now at this World Junior Camp that you wish you knew at last year? Yeah, geez. Um I think uh you know given that the camps are are a lot different uh are a lot different this year than last year um I think just just knowing to really just to get off on on the right foot early I think that's that's huge at any camp and I think you know in the, in the past not not necessarily last year but I think even uh you know years previous I think sometimes you know when when you try to get into a groove at a camp it's uh it can it can be um you know, it could be tolling on you for, for the final cut. So kind of got to jump into it right away and, and um, you know, be confident in, in your abilities and then let, you know, yourself do the plan. It's always strange to kind of, to come in and be a part of a, a tournament team. I'm sure you've done it several times in, in your career. Will this team be tighter when it's all said and done because of what you guys have dealt with? Yeah, I think we definitely will be. And, um, you know, I think, you know, the knock might be that all oh, these guys weren't in the dressing room together for that long and they haven't had as many practices and everything. But um, I think in, in the bigger picture of us all kind of going through something and, and giving up these sacrifices to, to be here and, and to go through the quarantine process, you know, of almost a month for, for some of us. Um, and I, I think when we finally get there, it's going to be, you know, we, we have all this stuff behind us now and we've all gone through it together. So, um you know, let's just make the most of it now and then carry what we have um, into the games, into our practices here. Uh, you got some friendly faces there as well. Uh, you and Bowen Byram, uh, Colorado prospect or Colorado Avalanche prospects. Uh, you guys been keeping in touch throughout the course of the year, watching what the Avs are doing and now getting ready for upcoming season. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's great to have a couple, a uh, couple as prospects here. I think it's cool. You know, and whenever you're in the same system as a guy and, and um, you're kind of all fighting to get to that same club, it's uh it's pretty exciting, and, and Bo's a great guy. We, we've been pretty close, um, you know, a bit before the draft, and then I think we've gotten more close after, and, and uh, it's been great to keep in touch and, and see how he's doing. But, um, yeah, good to see some familiar faces here and, and um, you know, share a bit of the same thing coming into coming into the tournament. Alex Newhook joining us on the starting lineup. Alex, give us a, a sense. Like, I, I imagine you guys can't leave the hotel. Are, are there tunnels to the rink? Is it is it guarded off? I mean, we saw pictures when it came to the bubble in the NHL players and pictures of the Canucks and, and kind of stuff is fenced off. Is it like that for you guys? What kind of, you know, where can you go in that bubble for the World Juniors? Yeah, um, I actually don't really know yet, to be honest. Uh, we're still in our quarantine here in, in Edmonton, so I've just kind of came into the hotel, went straight to my room, and I've been here for the past three and a half days now. So we get out tomorrow. I'm sure I'll find out some more. Um, on like the never leaving your room? Like not you can't walk down the hallway? No, <laughs> no. Yeah. Really? So you, so, right, so you haven't even like, seen your teammates here in a couple of days? No, yeah, I haven't seen them for three days now. Who are you, who are you rooming with? Uh, we're all in individuals, actually. Huh. 
You want to talk to us for the next three hours since you got nothing? <laughs> yeah, honestly. How often are you FaceTiming with with family and or friends? Like, listen, you've got your pack rat of friends who are great. Um, yeah. and, and we're rocking all your new hook jerseys on draft day. Like, how often are you talking to the boys? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're awesome. But uh, no, I yeah, it's uh it's been keeping me sane for sure. I think talking to talking to family and friends a lot. Um, FaceTiming, kind of checking in on on uh, on all my buddies and all my family members to kind of see how they're doing. Especially, you know, when when usually around this time of year, it's um, it can be pretty busy. And I think given um, given a bit of the you know more more low time here, um, it's been nice to check in with family and friends and and see how they're doing before uh, before the madness kicks in here. Well, how are you not watching movies then if you got this much time? Do you have like a like a hockey sheet on the floor there and you're practicing all day long? What's going on? That's a, that's a lot of time. Well, I, I throw out some movies every now and then, but uh, yeah, I think the I almost would like to have a a gaming console at this point because I think like probably twenty out of twenty five guys have them here and they're all on talking and stuff. So uh, that's a bit unfortunate. Could you if, could you do a course from Boston College, like an online course? Yeah, I've been uh, I've been keeping up with. I had a couple classes I had to complete since being here, so um, that's been that's been pretty good having a bit of time to do that. It's final season, right? Yeah. How have um, you talked to your teammates? Because they're they're on the ice, are they not at BC? They're still playing games, or they've lost a couple because of COVID. Yeah, they uh, they played six while I was here. Um, they lost two due to um, another team getting COVID. But um, yeah, we're on our Christmas break now. But we had a great start to the season, five and one right now. Um, going into the break, I think uh, ranked second in the country. So. Um, a lot to look forward to there on, on, you know, after this tournament and stuff, getting back to BC, I think we have a, a big opportunity in front of us and, and I'm pumped for that. Let me ask you, can it change in some sense? We don't know. Well, I'm, we assume the NHL will start in about three or four weeks time. They'll be playing hockey. I would imagine in, uh, in, in May and June, what will your situation be with school? Is there any chance that you're in a professional uniform? You're done. Yeah, I think, you know, this year has been pretty crazy, but, um, you know, my, my plan is definitely to go back to school this year. And I think, you know, after this tournament, that's going to be no different go back to BC and, and make the most of, uh, you know, the, the rest of our year there. But, um, yeah, I think after the season, definitely um, going to look into, you know, the possibilities and opportunities. Hopefully um, the rest of the year goes well and, and um, you know, our team is pretty successful. But, um, yeah, not, not, not 100% sure, you know, what's going to happen after the season, just kind of, you know, looking to, to make the most of what I can control for now and, and look to the future after. Uh, we'll end this. I'll give you two words because I just got into it like three weeks ago and finished it a couple of days ago. And it's very Canadian Shit's Creek. Have you watched that? I haven't. My parents have been telling me to watch it, though. Well, listen to your parents have great advice. Listen, they're 22-minute shows. It's funny. It's Canadian. You laugh, and you still got some time to kill before you can open up your door and see the rest of the world. So That's true. I'll have to have a look at it. Uh, hey, man, thank you for this. Appreciate it. Uh, good on you. Your spirits sound good. And everybody looking forward to you uh, putting on the uniform and doing your thing for Team Canada in Edmonton, the World Juniors. Appreciate it, Alex. Yeah, thanks for having me. There you go. Bick, I, I don't know. I just assumed these guys had roommates. I thought that they could walk on the whole floor and hang out with yeah. each other. Oh, man, what a sunny disposition to be uh, trapped in a room what for three days. What is he on that he's that, that he's that cheerful <laughs> and he's locked in a room for three and a half days? I'm I not complaining know. anymore. Oh, my goodness gracious. By the Congrats. way, just the pressures of a nation on you as well, right? Like, you're, you're, you're about to go compete in this tournament that everyone reveres. 
And here he is, just ho hum, yeah, just uh, watching the Queen's Gambit and how I met your mother. And by the way, wow. I'm going to go play Sweden and America and Russia. Well, and and you know, Corey Hirsch is always talking about the mental challenges, but boy, oh boy, I mean that's. Uh, to be in that kind of a spirit and you've been in a room for three and a half days. And I just assume in Red Deer, maybe they had the same. So uh, maybe in Red Deer, they were locked for 14 days by themselves as well. Like that's uh, punishment. I, I'm just Didn't glad it? we could be the highlight of his day. Uh, that's I, I think we might have been. Yeah, we might have been. Um, you know, the budger wouldn't handle that. Not very well at all. It is time for our news break. We go to Sonia the budger, Aslam, who joins Speaking us. Yes, Sonia Dispositions. Oh, hey, what's Aslam, all this come on. Doing? Three and a half oh, days hey. in a hotel room, Aslam, you would be just grouchy. If Thanks. what, sorry? If I was in a hotel room, you said? Yeah, he's locked in a hotel room quarantining for three and a half days. Can't uh, even open up the door. Yeah, that's too The bad. only people he's talked to is us. Oh, that's that's a mess. And yeah. his family. Jeez. Um, can we just talk about the Queen's Gambit for a second? It's a good, I, I liked it. It was good. It's that's unbelievable. Tremendous. Yeah, it's really Did good. you play chess growing up? No, for and I don't understand chess, but I felt like I didn't really need to by to really understand what was happening in it. But I felt like I was getting it as the you know as the series continued. Well, what actually, is your pandemic hobby? Like get into yeah. chess. <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> that's not happening. I actually, as a kid, played mm-hmm. chess over the phone sometimes. You're such a nerd. With a buddy of mine who's come <laughs> on to be one of Canada's top lawyers, <laughs> and look at me. Man, so what? That entire so what, sentence makes like, no sense. G six to F four, like like you would just yeah say yeah you would just yeah you would describe your move over the phone. Oh, yeah, winter time we'd take about a half. Hey, yeah, I, I don't know. Like it was like a three or four months. Just really got into chess. Uh, haven't played since. Uh, asked my wife as we watched the cream gambit. She said I'm not interested. She she said a crib. I'll play crib with you. As we'll figure that out. That wasn't me, by the way. Uh, it's funny, Greg, who's sitting right across from me behind a glass booth, was just saying that he hasn't seen The Queen's Gambit, or no, because it's too popular. What is that? Uh, that's like, uh, was, is Tiger King, was that the show that everyone watched? I hate it. Here's King what I loved terrible. about The Queen's Gambit. It was, like, you go, it's about chess. You go, how is that? It was different, It's right? more than just about chess, right? It's about her demons. Yeah, it it's about what she's going through. It's about being in a man's world. And she's, you know, this amazing chess player. There's more to it. It's not just seven episodes of watching someone play chess. This isn't TLC. Um, the foundation of the show is her. She just happens yes. to be a chess player. Exactly. But a, lo- a lot of the players, like, I'll watch Where's Bobby Fischer was a very popular uh, uh, motion picture years Maybe. back. But. Yeah. yeah, that Benny kid was based on Bobby Fischer. A lot of the a lot of the men in the movie were based on actual chess people. Speaking of popular shows that I haven't seen, Game of Thrones, never seen it. Probably will never see it. Stranger I've, Things, never you. seen it. Nope. I've, I'm with you. I haven't seen Game haven't of Thrones. I haven't seen it. And people talk about it like they're in it. It's like, relax. Other than the TV update we've been doing, which I've enjoyed the conversation, what's going on from a news perspective? Uh, you know, COVID, yeah. that's, that's still around. Numbers. Um, we should probably update the big white story that uh, I broke a couple of days ago because this story is the story that just keeps on giving, apparently. So we started with contact tracing and testing last Friday. Monday, mm-hmm. we had it confirmed there was one case. Tuesday, we had it confirmed 60 cases, 6-0. And then yesterday, I found out that they started firing some of their staff for breaking all the social protocols. They went Tom Cruise on them. Well, I don't know about that, which, by the way, I'm still really into that audio because I don't disagree with him. Um, but no, I made big, it by ringtone. 
Yeah, do it. Yeah, it's good. Uh, no, Big White's fired uh, several people. They fired a couple people last week and then uh, three in just the last 24 hours uh, because they weren't following the social protocols that are in place to keep people safe. And oh my gosh, you have a massive outbreak. You have at least 60 cases. And that's without the next confirmation round of testing, which that number could go up. And the scramble right now is because these people live in shared accommodation is where do you put them? Where you have to separate them as they recover yeah. at different rates. So where do you put them? You can't leave town. And for those of you who've been fired, that really sucks. Um, but also, where where do these people go? Because a lot of the shared accommodation that these people live in are owned by private citizens who tend to, mm. you know, they have a place and then they leave and then they l- lend it out to staff who work there. So how is this going to work? Because having six or ten of you living in one loft doesn't cut it right now. So there's a scramble on right now to figure out where to put them and to get them recovered. Yeah, you, you understand the emotion of saying we can't handle this, you're fired, and then you go, okay, now what? And they're looking for answers. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, you know what? The Vancouver Canucks were in the news a couple of days ago. You made a oh, phone man. call to them. They they sent out a press release. Um, just, just let our listeners know how that played out. Uh I didn't see the press release. I got the statement that I got. Oh, the statement, statement, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't know how up to speed everyone is with this story. There was some controversy. I don't even want to use that word, a non-controversy about the Canucks logo because a professor in Manitoba who teaches um, Indigenous studies uh, put a Twitter thread out saying that they should, you know, it's cultural appropriation that the Canucks have First Nations art in their logo and that they're making mm-hmm. a profit off of it and they should change it. Um, that's never been a conversation that I've heard that they were even considering it. That's not like the Edmonton Eskimos where we knew they were talking about yeah. getting rid of it and then they did. This was never a discussion. And this story, in my opinion, and, you know, uh, completely blew out of proportion when it shouldn't have because of people who have access to social media who think that, I don't know, their opinion matters or because they have access to social media that they're right. And so I talked to the Canucks yesterday and they put out a statement and we got a statement from the First Nations in, on which, uh, you know, Rogers Arena is on, their, their land rather, and they're yep. not offended. They're not upset. And initially, when the logo, the current logo that the Canucks use what, uh, came about, the artists who created it had checked in with First Nations groups. And they said, actually, it looks too cartoony. We're not offended. We're totally fine with it. Go ahead. So why is this a thing? This, to me, felt like, again, it got blown out of proportion. And the comments were insane on social media. Like, people completely flipped their lid over this. And it's like, if we want to talk about you know, the bigger issue of First Nations or the bigger issue of racism, I'm just saying, then let's talk about that. Why are we talking about a logo that First Nations groups who we've spoken to aren't offended by? It's exactly it, right? It, it all comes up and you go, okay, how about the people we're dealing with? Not somebody in Manitoba. Not surprised at all that the Canucks in doing their process would have said, hey, is this okay with you guys? We don't want to do that without your blessing. And they've done exactly that. But this happens uh, all the but- time where we have, you know, I'm sorry, we, 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 we have things that come up and those who are actually affected, those who are actually impacted, their opinion isn't heard. It's everyone else on the side who's, you know, this quarter, this armchair quarterback who thinks what they feel is right. Go to the source and figure out who needs to be heard. Cue the music, Balak. There she is. 
Every day. Hear the music, but I'll also do it myself. Yeah, right. <laughs> News 11:30. Thank you, Sonia. Thanks, Appreciate boys. It. Have a great day. You too. There she is, Sonia Aslam from News 11:30, giving us all that's going on um, in the local Vancouver. And interesting, not a lot of reporters actually called the Canucks to say, "Hey, what's the deal with that?" And there's the goods and the latest from the Orca Bay. Not even controversy conversation that ensued over the past few days uh we had a good conversation with brian burke we'll get to that on the other side it's 8 27 uh remind you that hoops are back the countdown to tip off is brought to you by denny's got a holiday turkey dinner for starting for dinner for four starting at 59.99 visit denny's.ca i was just reminded of the famous canuck meal in November, in America, it was Turkey with Berkey. We'll give you Brian Burke on the other side. 827 on the home of hockey, Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 833, uh, Perry and Bick uh, this week. Pick you hear the news from Walsey, Board of Governors of the NHL talking this afternoon. Helmet decals. I'd like to, you know, what are we going to see? Gatorade on the side of helmets? What do you think? I would imagine every team has their own. Uh, so that'd be kind of interesting. Would it be a, you know, for each individual city have their, you know, something that matches their persona or is it just the highest bidder? Oh, it's the highest bidder. Oh, sure, but is it like a, a West Coast brand for Vancouver? Is it uh, a Toronto-based brand for Toronto? Would we see that? Well, see, next year, do we see Starbucks on the Seattle one? I mean, you, you try and think what are, what are from it. I know the gentleman who owns uh, Booster Juice is uh, from just outside of Edmonton. He's a part owner in Las Vegas. You see Booster Juice on a lot of things. I bet you we see Booster Juice on someone's helmet. Would you see Lululemon on Vancouver Canucks? Oh, wouldn't that be something, eh? Lululemon. I think, what's the uh, BioSteel? See, I don't think BioSteel's big enough, although a lot of the guys work there. I wonder what the price tag's going to be, right? So I think Elliot was talking about that the the NBA patches that teams have bought, I think he said $5 million. $5 million for that. So mm. a decal on a helmet. I don't know. Miller too. Yeah, I don't know. Mike English saying maybe gambling firms, right? It's, it's blowing up, and you know, th- think about where we are here. Well, it's uh, it, something that could emerge. We had heard five billion dollars will be spent on gambling in New Jersey. Todd Furman joining us as he always does uh, at the six o'clock hour, and he just made perfect sense. So that's more than Nevada ever. He goes, well, just look at the population. He goes, so Nevada has that. He goes, wait till you can gamble in California. He goes, then they will blow all these records. You forget. And people are, right? They've found ways. But until it's all legalized, and when we do it here in Canada, we will see that. So, yeah, maybe you're going to see gambling firms on there, a bulldog or something. Uh, It'll be interesting. What we do know is uh, they will talk about a date, and January 13th, again, seems to be the day. Uh, Brian Burke joined us this morning. We asked Burke, okay, um, is there going to be any concern as far as conditioning or anything if, indeed, January 13th is when they drop the puck? My sense from talking to players, including uh, a lot of players who play for Canadian teams, is they are physically ready. They've been assuming that they're going to play sometime around Christmas time, and they're physically ready to play. So assuming your conditioning is at peak levels, you don't have to worry so much about that. 
and and Travis is not a new coach, so he doesn't have to break in new systems or whatever. It's not like this is his first training camp with them, um, like Sheldon Keith here in Toronto. Uh, so I think it's a combination of okay, they're probably doing some Zoom calls over the summer and talking about stuff. Okay, let's review all of our systems. Let's work on systems. We don't have to spend a lot of the practice on conditioning, but let's work on our systems, work on our power play, work on our shorthand, work on our goalie out, uh, work on you know all the different things we have to do. Because it is a short season. If you have a poor start uh, or your, your special teams aren't special, if they're lousy, uh, you could fall out of this. You know, If you get four games out, like 20 games in, you're going to have a hard time making that back up in a short year. You know, we've spent so much time, Brian, talking about, you know, all, all the difficulties. And we, we had a mini conversation to start the show just talking about a guy like Sven Berchi. And just when you approach this this new reality for coaches and you're going to get this expanded rosters, what opportunities also present themselves? Is is there a way to look at, at some of this stuff as as a positive for management or coaching staffs? Well, to me, it's just different. It's like the bubble. The teams that embraced the bubble did well. And it's going to have to be the same thing here. You have to, the goaltending rotations are going to be different. you got a compacted schedule. you got a compressed schedule. The travel is going to be different. And I think the number one thing I would be saying to my team is, I don't want to hear any whining or bitching about three games and four nights or back-to-backs. Just shut up and play. I think the teams that embrace the difference, the fact that it's different, will probably have the most success instead of saying, well, geez, we got to go back-to-back. Say, oh, we got to back-to-back. I never minded back-to-backs when I was a GM. I thought it gave us more practice time. So I, I think it's going to be different, and I would stress that to my players. It's, it's going to be different. So we're going to travel with 27 guys instead of 23 in case there's a COVID outbreak, in case we have injuries. We can't bring a guy up from Utica, so we're going to carry a taxi squad. That's going to be different. And a coach has to stay out and skate with the aces. That's going to be different. And I just, I would say to the players, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear one word about it. I mean, we deal in our world of, of goals, assist, ice time, but I'd like your perspective here on relationships, because I, I think that is really what, what you always had with some players and still have to this day. Vic mentions Ben Berchi. So here's a guy who not good enough to make a team last September. He's shocked that they send him to Utica and bury the contract, uh, but he does everything right in Utica. Travis has known him since his days in Portland. Then Sven goes, and, and rightly so, because of health and a young family, he does not want to travel with that team and go into the bubble in Edmonton. Yet here he sits, and he's saying all the right things, and Travis is excited that, hey, he's got an opportunity you never know. Is that because of a relationship between organization and player, Brian? Because I think there would probably be cases that you know that you just know this is done. Didn't make the team. They're done. He wants to be traded, as Sven asked. But yet it still seems there's a, there's a door there to go, hey, if you're good enough, there's still a place for you here. Yeah, I, I can't I can't see him making the tracks again. I, I just – I had Sven in Calgary, and he's a really, really good kid. And he's a gifted athlete. I'm just not sure how important the game of hockey is to him. So they can say all the right things, but I can't see him making that team. But I do, yeah, we said, if he's on this team, it's not a good thing for the Canucks. And is that where it is? Yeah. Is that just at some point, just mentally, he doesn't, it's not the most important thing in his world? Yeah. And, and again, I, I would say this. If I didn't like him, I'd just say that and say, look, it's not important enough to him and leave it at that. 
but I like him. He's actually a really nice kid. You guys have talked to him. He's intelligent. He's engaging. He's a nice kid. I just don't think hockey was ever important enough to him. Uh, when it comes to something like that, you know, you try to have like a the, the term we use is an open door policy, and, and Travis has kind of shown that where you know he's willing to bury the hatchet with you know some things that Louis Erickson has said or something like that. And in this stance, it was a, a trade demand. Uh, you know, what was your policy? Is just, is it one strike and you make it a ban and okay, or do you try to work it out? I don't recall too many players making trade demands on Brian Burke. I, I just don't recall that. <laughs> And I would treat it very angrily and very publicly and say, you know, that the trades are my department. Shut up and play. Uh, I have had players come to me and ask for a trade quietly and professionally or, or their agent has asked quietly and professionally. Pavel Bure is the best example. He refused to play for me when I came back in 1998, and I had to trade him. Um, in general, I think one strike is probably all you get with me. Uh, I think it's especially with young players. They tend to say stupid things sometimes. So you can forgive one, but two would be, yeah, I wouldn't like that. Well, you you mentioned your your talk with Marcus Naslin, where you thought he was going to ask for a trade, and you just said, no, don't even ask me that, because then that puts you in the bad spot. Yeah, and that's that was Pat Quinn's rule, and it was my rule, too. If you ask for a trade, I'm getting rid of you, unless you're a kid. Young kids sometimes pop off. You're like, kid, you're, you haven't even played in the league yet. You're in your entry-level contract. I'm not trading you. At all, I'm not going to trade you ever until the entry-level contract is up and we see what we have here. Uh, but with Marcus, I thought he was going to come in and ask for a trade, and I told him, just sit down and shut up and listen to me. Because if you say what I think you're going to say, then I am going to move you. I want to ask you something about your book, Burke's Law. By the way, do you get the numbers? Like, is that thing flying off the shelves? Are you happy? Or do you get statistics regularly on it? You, you can't. If you someone tried to – I only know what people tell me. Um, a friend of mine went to three bookstores in Calgary yesterday and couldn't find it and it sold out on Indigo today. Someone who tried to order on Indigo or Amazon today sent me a note that they, I have to get them a copy and sign it for their son because they can't buy it before Christmas now. Well, that's good news, I would think. Good for you. Well, it's annoying, I want to mention, I, so I'm reading it now, and last night I'm looking at it and you're talking about the year before, the playoffs before you guys won the Stanley Cup. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. I want to ask you tomorrow morning because it said right after the playoffs, you guys gathered as an organization and thought, are we that good? Are we that close? Or did we get great goaltending? Now, the Vancouver Canucks are not that close. But do they look at and would they have after their bubble and go, was that us or is that great goaltending? Is that yeah, an evaluation that every team's go through? Well, I think in our case – Janice Seguera is one of the best money goaltenders of all time. And we went to the Stanley uh, Conference Finals that year. We lost to Edmonton. And we had to really reflect. Like, we, that was, you know, Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry's first year. Uh, Joffrey Lupel had a great year. He's probably our best forward in the playoffs that year. And, and I think you have to reflect. Like, okay, so that team played in the Stanley Cup Finals in 03, missed the playoffs in 04. Played in this conference finals in 05, or 06, rather. There was no 05. And then won a cup in 07. So I think people say, well, there was a nucleus of a good team that went for five years, basically. But there's not one defenseman's name on the Stanley Cup that was there when I got there. We rebuilt the whole defense. Brian Murray, the late, great Brian Murray, left some really good pieces at forward. But, yeah, I think, Perry, I think you have to do that. that uh, or James, I forget who's off today. 
I think you have to do that analysis when you have a run and say, are we legit or did we just ride a hot goaltender? And if you're legit, then it's a different discussion. Then it's like, all right, let's go shopping. If we're a top four, top four team, then what do we need? And everyone said, we just need Chris Pronger. I'm like, well, that'll be easy. No one else wants him. There you go. Uh, Brian Burke from earlier today. Uh, lots of interesting things. And uh, more importantly, as he has been able to do for the last six weeks, a little plug-in for the book, flying off the shelves. Good to hear. It's a... Uh... It's Christmas season. Get a book. There's a lot of time to read books. Like it all started this pandemic with puzzles, right? And, <laughs> and I got into two thousand piece puzzles, and I actually slowed down when doing some Christmas shopping the other day. I thought, geez, do I? Stayed away from it. Uh, we've got hockey coming around the corner in March. We didn't know what the deal was. I've uh, got to take a break. It's eight forty four on the starting lineup. The home of hockey. You've got it on the starting lineup on Sportsnet six fifty. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Welcome back, 849 here in Vancouver. Rain has uh, tapered off. It's supposed to continue and pick up again later on in the day. Might hang around some periods of rain through the weekend as we get there. And then it actually looks to be clearing up as we make our way to the 25th. Perry Solkowski, Big Nazar with you here. Uh, Bicker, cold question this morning. I thought we might get more of a push for the young man who wears number 40. We're asking people with Chris Tanif gone. Canucks hopefully back on the ice playing for real January 13th. The Board of Governors and the NHL meet this afternoon. Who might be taking the alternate captain, the A? Quinn Hughes, 2% say yeah. JT Miller, um, 76% say there's your guy. Tyler Myers with only 4%. I thought Pedersen might get a little more love. He's got uh, 18, we'll round it up to 19%. Uh, think that number 40 gets it. He'll have he'll have a letter on his jersey at some point. I would imagine a year from now when changes are made with this team. His day will come, and you're right. You've said the, the thing about, you know, he is kind of the de facto leader in a way. I think a lot of people look at him and it's like, okay, he's the the meal ticket, right? He puts in his work and no one's questioning the work ethic and all that. And for such a young player to recognize that, yeah, that's fantastic. But his day will come when the letter is on his jersey. It reminds me of a conversation I had with uh, Wally Buono once. Um, and, and he was talking about training camp and one of the things he asked everybody who was there. And and certainly numbers are so much different when you talk about football and training camps and all that. But he said, he just asked the guys like day one or two, because, hey, which, how many of you guys are leaders? And, you know, you've got, I guess, if you have 50, 60 people there, I think you might have got, you know, 10 or 20 guys throwing their, their hands up. He goes, everybody put your hands up. You all got to be leaders. I mean, I, I don't want any followers here. And I, I think that's the mindset you would hope to have in a hockey room. It's great. Guy with the C will talk to the referee. Guy with the A can do that. But essentially, if you've made it to this level, in in a certain way, you hope that, okay, you can all be leaders um, at some point. I think J.D. Miller has become, uh, naturally does it. I think Pedersen would naturally not. But I, I do think at some point he will, he'll get an A on his jersey. Um, there's put it this way. What we see in Toronto, a lack of leadership. I don't think that's a question here in a Vancouver dressing room. No. And one of the thing I wanted to point out, and one of the reasons I 
saying the praises of not re-signing Chris Tanev is now there's a, a certain void that guys have to grow into, and yes. you want your Pedersen and the Hughes to grow into that. They are the most talented players on the on the team. New players that are coming in, whether they're through the system or free agents, whatever, everyone's going to be looking at those guys, and they have to become leaders for your franchise. That's exactly it. There's a void there, not necessarily on purpose. I think it's a concern, um, and not that their growth was ever stunted by the personalities that were there. It's just the the natural evolution of, okay, now you feel that much more confident in what you're going to do and getting the job done. Uh, thank you to everybody who participated in that and text on the Dumber Lumber text line. We enjoyed the conversation as always. Scotty Rintoul is up next. Thanks so much for listening to the starting line. Nice job, Bick. Nice job, Balak. It's been fun. Do it again tomorrow on the home of hockey at Sports at 650.